I go down rabbit holes all the damn time. Welcome to episode number 94 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, September 14th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where 36 people were shot this weekend, but only nine fatally. And from America's left coast, where Portland has entered its third straight month of block party with benefits. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Block party with benefits. Is that what they're calling the riots these days? Well, looting is a benefit. I mean, free stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, free. But- uh, and, and I guess, you know, they're, uh, according to, uh, according with the broken window fallacy, they are keeping people like firefighters in, in a job is, you know, they definitely won't run out of things to do with all the structure fires that, that the block party is starting. I mean, honestly, it's great for the economy. Well, it's bad for the insurance companies, I'd guess. And all these well, businesses yeah, that are yeah. never coming back and, also, what what I just did there, that that is, in fact, a well-known fallacy called the broken windows fallacy, which is the idea that by causing damage, you are creating economic output, which is not true because the uh, the the value of economic effort that is put toward rebuilding what you destroyed would otherwise be put to creating new things and boosting overall economy. But a lot of people will say, well, by by breaking windows, I keep the, the glass makers in in a job. Well, the glass makers were going to be making glass for the new skyscraper downtown, but instead they're making these panes for the shitty ones that you just broke out. So not actually a positive. Well, it's like the war machine. They keep the economy trolling along because they're making weapons and all that kind of thing. But uh, there's also a negative effect that comes along with all of these things. So that wasn't a negative effect. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe. You never know. Depends what you find to be negative. Defines what you find to be positive. A lot of people right now seem to be really happy with the fact that there is violence in America, which I I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of people in America are fucking stupid. Is that true? Is is somebody done a poll? Yes, (laughs) I guess we've done a poll and Hillary Clinton got you 50 million votes. No, but she won the popular vote. Yes. Yes, she won. Which is, I heard it. Yes, it, it, she won the popular vote. And that is uh, the justification for half of Americans who are completely denying the results of the 2016 election, where the popular vote is not actually the count that anybody should care about because it's not the one that determines the winter, the winner. <laughs> well, it may determine the winter, maybe it, a nuclear winter. Yes. Now is the winter of our discount tents, you know, but I do believe that. Scott Adams is right. And he was the one that posted a link to an article about this and then was talking about it on one of his Periscope things that it does seem that the left and I won't even don't want to say Democrats, but the the violent radical left is definitely using the Palestinian they, playbook. Yeah, they, they might be aligned with the Democrat Party for now, but they are not the Democrats that everybody has known for a while. Then again. Neither are people like Pelosi who are the fucking she's not a Democrat. She's fucking a demon. She is evil incarnate. But 
somehow well, managed to get in on the Democrat ticket. A lot of these no, leftist the, mayors are seeing that when these rioters come to their house. I mean, yeah. so, so well, much it's because they, they actually are a different party. It's it's like if, you know, the Republican Party and the anarchist party, uh, if that's a thing, uh, you know, somehow got together because they both happen to not want the, you know, heavy gun laws or something that doesn't make them the same thing. And that's exactly true with this. Uh, the the communist party that is rioting and destroying shit and happens to be momentarily aligned with the Democrat party. And, and, you know, those alignments are always perverse and they're a direct result of the plurality voting system, which I, I don't even know that we want to get into right here. But um, yeah, if, if for any reason, for example, uh, you know, the Democrats somehow managed to sweep aside the Republicans and take over everything as if the whole country became the left coast, then you would immediately see all of these rioting commie idiots turn on their Democrat overlords. And instead of rioting and, and treating the Republicans as if they're the most evil thing in the world, it, it would be all of the middle of the road Democrats have make, make no mistake whatsoever. The kind of people who are going out and destroying your cities because they want something to the left. It, they're, they're not going to stop if, if the entire country shifts left enough that the Democrats take control, that just means that they change who they're going to be rioting against. And now the ultimate evil in the world is going to be, how dare you only want, you know, socialized medicine. We want to take all of, you know, we, we want socialized everything. We want socialized bread, which, you know, what, what they really mean is free stuff for everybody, but what they get, if they, they ever got their way is that, you know, bread costs a week's worth of wages and, there isn't any to buy anyway. Yeah. And they don't get that, but it is absolutely true. The fact that the alignment of people or even stranger are these huge capitalist corporations aligning themselves with the group Black Lives Matter Global, which is not the same as somebody who believes Black Lives Matter. That is not the same thing. It, it, it's why when referring to the group, I always say BLM. Just to dis disambiguate when I'm speaking, if I wanted to make a statement that about uh, a statement unnecessarily laden with a racial adjective, but that should be really obvious, I would say Black Lives Matter. But if I want to refer to the communist anarchist organization who is currently in the process of destroying what's left of America. I would say BLM. Yes. And a lot of people still don't understand that those things are separate. That's one of the things that the Palestinians have done for years, which is to call groups, you know, like the whatever freedom fighters. It's like, well, yeah, but they're not. Or, you know, it's, it's when you take something and you put it under a name that nobody can dare say anything because otherwise you're a racist or whatever. And Black Lives Matter definitely does that. But this group, there's no question about it, is anti-family they're anti-capitalist they're anti-freedom they're a marxist organization the three women that started it are clearly marxist they're self-avowed marxist it says so on their website they're also very anti-cop if you've been following along from the beginning this the cops are the problem we need to defund the police and since the, this stuff started violence the, has gone way up the cops thing is not palestinian playbook that is straight third reich playbook the first thing that 
that the Third Reich did when they rose to power in Germany in 1934 was they started abolishing local police departments because those local police departments were aligned with the local communities and and their allegiance was with the people. And we couldn't have that when you want to institute a totalitarian regime. You can't possibly have anybody whose loyalties lie with the people. You have to have people whose loyalties rely or align with the party. And so abolishing local police and replacing them with your SS Stasi soldiers who are loyal to the party and almost always like if, if you recruit a, a, a party soldier from the community, you immediately ship them to another community where they don't have any allegiance and make sure that the people policing this community are folks from out of town so that they have no sympathy for the public so that they'll do what the party wants. This is this is not a playbook of anybody the 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 last time this was successfully done okay the last time it was successfully done was when mao rose in china the time before that it was successfully done when stalin rose to power in russia and the one that was most publicly was when hitler rose to power in germany those are the three times i can think of that it it was that the police was widespread defunded and abolished and in every case it was because of the rise of a totalitarian government that wanted to oppress the people. That's what you do. And now we have police getting shot in their squad cars in Compton, in L.A. And then we have Black Lives Matter protesters, whatever you want to call them, that were surrounding the hospital, cheering when these cops got shot, ch- uh, chanting, they hope they die. And this is a dangerous thing going on. Because this is a war that's being started. There's no question about it. The escalation of this, we've seen it just in the last few months. The escalation of this has gotten out of hand between the things like the chop zone, the, uh, you know, the fun block party that you say is going on in Portland. There is so much I, violence I, going I ha- on that's left unchecked. Really far when I said that, by the way. Yes. But all this violence that's being left unchecked. When do you start to blame the politicians and the people like, you know, your fine governor and the fine uh, mayor of Seattle there in Portland? Uh, when do you start blaming these people that are backing these Black well, Lives started, Matter activists when cops start getting shot? I started to blame them in June. Well, rightfully so. Right at the beginning. And a lot of people still seem completely unaware of what's really going on. And it's hard. I get it, people. It's hard to do the work. It's hard to know what the truth is. And people hear Black Lives Matter and go, yeah, of course, Black Lives Matter. Cops are bad. And now you have cops just sitting in their cars getting shot. And I don't know if people understand the ramifications of this. I really don't, because I a knee jerk reaction would be, well, you know, in these neighborhoods that don't want the cops totally pull out, let them fend for themselves. And a majority of the citizens, I think, fairly quickly will be begging for the cops to come back because what's going to happen when there's a vacuum of cops is certainly not going to be peace and utopia. No, you'll get Chicago. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with that city? I keep seeing more and more stories about this going on in Chicago. This one. Yeah. It's again uh, being light on crime. It's again. I mean, do you see? The disconnect 
of somebody like Joe Biden, who, upon these cops getting shot, called for more gun control. And it's like, what the hell is wrong with you that you think that's the answer? Because making it illegal to buy guns will somehow cause people to stop stealing guns because I guess suddenly stealing is now illegal and wasn't before. Is that the law? I don't know. I know there's no logic there because more laws mean more people are going to have to respect and follow the laws. But you also want to get rid of the cops who enforce them. So I I, I just (laughs) want to point out that there is a big difference between following the law and respecting the law. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think both are important. Because you can respect the law, even if you disagree with it and follow it. But you also then in a free country, you have the ability to get the laws changed. Do we? I believe so. I mean, the problem, I think, is a vast majority of people are now so just so totally mind numbingly controlled by staring at their phones and getting likes on Instagram or getting likes on Facebook or lying about their lives and telling people how great everything's going. I do believe that having such a small amount of people actually engaged in the true political nature of the country is, is getting scary because I don't think most people really understand politics. We have about out of everybody in the country, if I had to guess, I'm betting like maybe five to 10% actually follow politics enough if, to have if a real not. clue about what's going on. And the other 90% see the headlines and get triggered. I've got a, I've got a random thoughts rant brewing about. Ooh. The, uh, I, oh, did I have I not told you about that? No, well, I, I won't. I wouldn't want to spoil the surprise. Okay. But it's, it's about talking politics and the fact that most people have like a first grade understanding of politics precisely because they won't talk about it because we're not, it's not socially acceptable to talk about politics. And if you don't talk about politics, you don't understand politics and you've never done any thinking about it. You've never been exposed to ideas. And therefore everybody goes out and votes as if they're with, with a first grade understanding of what they want and shooting from the hip and emotion and, uh, you know what? I don't have to do the rant because that's pretty much everything there. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. And I do believe that's the difference. I mean, if you go back, I mean, granted, you can go back to the start of the country. And I think then a vast majority of adults were involved talking about politics and were up on what was going on. It was a whole different time. I get it. Well, I, all of the back then there were, I mean, you know, it was a class-based society and there were two classes. There was the laborers and there were the thinking men. And uh, yes, admit it. You don't, don't whitewash it. They were for the most part, all men. There were not a lot of women involved. That is a misogynist problem. And it was resolved with the 19th amendment, but um, back then, okay, men stopped calling me sexist for remembering history correctly. But the, the thinking men, in order to be educated, in order to be a, a thinking person, you had to understand politics because you know, when the men got together over cigars or, you know, whenever the, the thinking group got together, politics was just one of the topics that they talked about. It wasn't taboo. It was just things to talk about. And so everybody understood it. Everybody talked it. And 
so when the country was found, you know, the, the other class, by the way, was the laborers who, for the most part, didn't care about it. And, and that's fine if, if you don't want to care. But the reason for the Electoral College was because they needed, they, they, they recognized that only a few people, in this case, the educated people, the, the people who thought about things, those were the people who understood the nuances of politics. And therefore, uh, the only thing that the common man needed to know was which educated person best represents what, you know, and, and is, is, you know, aligned with me such that, that they'll be able to wade through the nuances of politics correctly and get me the result I want. And so that was the whole point to having a representative government, to making it a Republican, not a direct democracy. They recognize that the vast majority of people don't want to think about politics. And that's true today, but we keep pushing for the popular vote as the way to go. And now nobody is representing the popular person because the job of of congressman, the job of elector, the job of politician has become a, a position of corrupt elitism rather than the job of every person who wants to consider themselves to be educated. Nowadays, you can go out and have a master's degree and be arguably extremely smart in one topic and yet still have a second grade knowledge of politics because the only thing that you know was the Marxism critical race theory that your professor gave you. And you've never talked about it with anybody outside of your little bubble. Sounds about right. And Progo's mocking me for saying the folks back at the beginning of the country were better informed. Um, well, I, I'm going to stand by that. They're, they were way better informed than we are today. That's the only point I was making. And more people were. That's not a high bar to set. No, it's not. But I and, do and believe. You're not talking about experts here. I do believe that people were actively talking politics then. This was before everybody starts saying, oh, don't talk about politics and religion. That's uh, those are taboo. We don't want to upset anybody. It's like, well, then what do we communicate? If we don't want to communicate about the things that might upset people, then why are we communicating at all? But welcome to political correctness. Yeah, and we're not. I know. And, and we're not communicating at all. I hope you realize that <laughs> we're not. It's, well, I, it's just us. Uh, personally or you mean as a nation as a world well, you and i don't communicate but that makes our show better we just do it two shows simultaneously yeah, over each other right we're, we're taking the mark and george model except that we don't stop and let the other person talk we got past episode 24 yes <laughs> but this is where we're at right now with cops getting gunned down any person that gets shot or killed by the police and there was just another case in uh, was it uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and the cop in this case was wearing body cam footage or body cam, and the footage is out, and it doesn't make any difference because the guy shot the perpetrator here, and riot started because a cop shot a guy, even though there's video of the guy with a knife lunging at the cop. So I guess now, if a guy has a knife and he's lunging at you, the cop can no longer shoot him. I guess well, it's it's more like the people who are using their their knee jerk butthurt reaction to that don't bother looking at the evidence. And it, it welcome to the information age where the problem is not availability of information. The problem is sorting information. And if it, yes, there is direct, clear evidence, if you can find it, that, you know, that what you're doing is wrong. 
But if your entire bubble has been saturated by propaganda and evidence in the other direction, then you won't ever look at the video. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's the confirmation bias. You and you don't want it if it's uh, if it's against what your beliefs are. But Scott Adams talked a little bit about that as well. And the you know talking about the fact that when the George Floyd case happened, he's like everybody that watched that video had a very similar reaction, which was you know this doesn't seem right. Granted, more evidence has come out after that, and the evidence that's come out after that has totally changed the overall picture of that because you cannot discount the fact that it appears that the guy george floyd may have swallowed an overdose of um was it not methamphetamine uh, or i'm blanking on what drug he had but uh, he he Uh, swallowed fentanyl yes fentanyl absolutely right thank you and uh they believe he may have swallowed that right as the arrest began and this does place, you know, a lot of blame in a lot of different places. Was this thing handled absolutely correctly on the side of the police? No. Was this handled correctly by George Floyd? No. And did did, did he swallow the fentanyl or was he forced on had it forced on him by his Marxist handler? It may have been the Marxist handler. I didn't see them in the in the video, though. I just saw a video that looks like he had a tablet of something in his mouth. When you look back at the body cam footage, so body cam footage is very vital. That's one thing that I think every cop should demand for their own safety, that they should have a body cam running at all times, because that does. Well, it's arguable that the only cops who resist it tend to be corrupt. I could see that. And those should probably be wet out, weeded out. What's 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 the proper form of when this? When, uh, when is, yeah they should be wed. Uh, they, they should they should be wed yes, yes they should def- I, I hear the wed uh when we started this you and i actually got into a pretty heated discussion uh because for many many years now and and this was a topic you actually did not want to do even before the defund the police movement started there is has has been problems well for as long as there have been police there have been corrupt police and there have been problems with the uh, the thin blue line where uh, corrupt police were being shielded by corruption in the department, were, were being shielded from being found out as corrupt or from being uh, treated and uh, exposed or or even punished as as corrupt. And there there was a culture in not every department, in fact, a, a, a significant minority of departments where bad cops were allowed to go out on the street, uh, abuse people's rights, uh, generally, you know, do terrible things and then be protected by their department because of the idea that you, the, the fraternity of cops and you should. And, and there is absolutely uh, a problem with the culture with any culture that protects bad cops. And that idea was, I feel like the seed crystal for a lot of the defund the police sentiment. And it's, it's really difficult to have that discussion now because it is so drowned out by the hyperbolic rhetoric of, you know, throw out all babies or because of, you know, this bad bath, 
I, I don't know where that metaphor was going, so let's abandon it. But the idea that we should cancel all police departments everywhere because a small number of bad cops need to be excised from the system is hyperbolic and destructive rhetoric, but it seems to be what's taking over. And we can't have a discussion about bad cops anymore. Well, it's funny because they're all under siege. Well, yeah. And a lot of people that are calling for the defunding of the police would be. I I just want to say net net net. um, Just he says Joe Biden ish there. I just want to tell you that there are fine people on both sides. But anyway, of which issue exactly are you talking about? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My words will be spun. But yeah, the concept that because there are a small amount by percentage base of bad police officers means that you have to somehow get rid of all police is no different to me. So if you're going to go utterly ridiculous, it is, because if you're going to use that kind of logic, that means, well, one black guy killed a white guy. So all black guys should really be punished. Yeah, that's like saying that that some millennials are. Uh, you know, complete Marxist douchebags, and therefore we need to just, you know, cancel all. all, Yeah, I mean, everything about that. It, it's for one thing, it's it's leftist thinking. It's the fallacy of stereotyping, where you have decided that uh, you are going to lump everybody into one group and then take your preconceived notions about the group and uh, completely overreact by applying it. It, you know, what. Every time that you put people into the group, you are opening yourself up to commit the fallacy of stereotyping and any logic that has to do with, well, some of this group are bad and I've categorized the group such that, you know, now I believe that all of them are culpable of the crimes that, I mean, it's fallacious thinking. It does not pass any kind of rational test. And it is honestly at the core of identity politics of Marxist thinking of pretty much all of the worst parts of the left right now. Well, it's dangerous when cops can't do their jobs, then for a variety of reasons. But in this case, again, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a guy with a knife coming at a cop. Now the cop shoots him. We've heard. I mean, there's a there's a there's a you know, a thing that this is called. It's been around for a long time and it's called death by cop. It's not anything new. There are people when they're caught quite often don't want to go back to jail so they're going to do something so they they're going to get shot they know what's going to happen yes i've heard this term suicide by cop is the the term i've heard yes Yes. same thing and uh how do you deal with that then because this all cops are seem to be being blamed now anytime a suspect is shot in a confrontation with the cops now this really puts a different spin upon things if you go that route because then you know, you got a guy who just shot up a school and he's coming out of the school and there's a bunch of cops there and they're like, hey, stop. And he starts then shooting at them. Are they supposed to just sit there and take it? I don't know what the uh, you know, what the no. end result's supposed to be. <laughs> if he's shooting at cops, then no, they're not supposed to take it. Right. But, you know, there I, are certain people that I think believe they should like, oh, well, you should never be killing somebody. You, you know, as as a person who respects individual choice in all things. If somebody wants to go out and make the individual choice that they want to get shot, then uh, the only sympathy I have is for the trauma experienced by uh, a, a decent human being who happens to have the task of being a police officer who now has to live on with 
on their conscience the fact that they took a human life. That that's the only bit of my sympathy. If if somebody goes out and makes the decision that they want to die today, who am I to stop them? Yeah. There's really no other alternative when that happens. And the fact that I, any I, of these I, cases and, have and, the knee-jerk reaction of rioting now, it's like, come on. Well, the rioting is is very, very seldom a solution and is certainly not the problem with the, the policing instances we have today. I, it, what, what it does do is it gets attention. But, okay, congratulations, people. It's been three months. You have our fucking attention. And uh, Harry Hamster this morning in the troll room, I read, uh, he posted a link that uh, said, <laughs> and, and this this headline gets the obvious uh, line of the day award. Uh, Oregonians are becoming tired of the protests. No, it's and, only been, what, three months? Yeah, it, it has. It has been three months uh, that a pretty much straight and, and not all of it. Not every little bit of it can be considered rioting. There is certainly people who are peacefully protesting, like actual peacefully, not CNN peacefully uh, in in the group. But they are absolutely being overshadowed by the people who are violently rioting. And unless there's an effective way of telling the difference between a group who merely wants to go out and stand and, and have their voice heard and a group who are about to throw bricks at the courthouse. Um, I, I mean, at some point, how are the people having bricks thrown at them supposed to react? Right. And that's what's happening. And, and they're doing it outside of police precincts. And it's like, this is just nuts. It is absolutely nuts. And it's not about having a conversation and it's not about making rational change to the system. It is about complete anarchy. And it is about overthrow of a system. And there's a big difference between changing a system and overthrow of a system. And uh, Scott Adams pointed that one out as well. The whole George Floyd thing. He's like, everybody of any color watching that video right on the face of what we saw was horrified at it. Now, more evidence has come out, which says, again, even though the cops maybe didn't handle this correctly, there's some mitigating circumstances. Are you ever going to hear that from the left? The answer is no. I, I, I'm not sure we're we're going to be able to hear it from anywhere unless you're listening for it. And why would anyone? Well, why? I'll tell you where you're going to hear it is when the cops walk on these charges and more riots erupt. That's when you'll hear about it. I, I that is not the scenario that bothers me as much as uh, you, you know. The funny thing is in in some suburb where yeah, well, I mean, you're not seeing this in suburbs for the reason I'm about to say. If the cops are being fully supported by their city, then a bunch of people go out and they decide to burn down and loot a store. The cops are going to show up, hit them with fire hoses, uh, you know, hit them with tear gas grenades. And everybody's going to be like, whoa, these guys mean business and go home and or, or go more likely go back to the inner cities. The only place that this stuff has gotten out of hand is not it is is where the police are not allowed to do what they know how to do and what they're trained to do, which is restore order in the city. It, yeah. The police are still, I, I'm, you know, they, <laughs> for better or worse, and I tend to think it's worse in general, the militarization of the police has had the effect that the police are quite capable of ending all of this immediately if they were so allowed. The places where this stuff continues to go, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, New York, where, wherever, um, 
I don't know if there's rioting still going on in New York. Haven't heard about it. Oh, yeah. They just but, took over the George Washington Bridge yesterday. Well, that that'll definitely uh, cause the exodus to slow down. It'll yeah, harsh with, their mellow but, a little. I, I, all all lanes of the George Washington Bridge have been outbound for weeks now. Um, but it, all of these are places where the local police have not been allowed to control or restore law and order for purely political reasons. And for that reason, I don't blame the cops and I don't really even blame the majority of people who are over socialized, under informed and somehow stirred into action by this idiotic leftist propaganda. The people that I blame are the activists who have been handed positions of authority and are using that to push their political agenda by trying to destroy cities and increase the amount of of tensions of divis- division divisiveness trying to make things worse for everybody for the point of of advancing their political aims those are the people who need to be thrown from the George Washington bridge with weights on their ankles or something those those people i'm i'm generally against capital punishment but i i will make an exception for the politicians who are putting their own political agendas ahead of the safety of the people they have been sworn in to protect and lead yes politics should never come into whether or not you're going to be enforcing the law there just never should if i had a bell i'd have been ringing it there because you're absolutely right with the fact that this is only going on for an extended period of time because it is being allowed to go on. We've talked about this in the past. What happened in the 60s here in Chicago, the rioting? I mean, I don't remember how many days it had gone on, if it wasn't if it was even days, because this was a different time in a different place. And the Democratic mayor of Chicago, Richard Daly, the uh, senior and his son was mayor after him. But Richard Daly, senior, uh, put it out there on television that said uh yeah if people are still out there rioting i'm telling the cops to shoot to kill and you know what happened the rioters got that the hell out of it. dodge you know <laughs> that'd that fix it yeah and you know what else if if <laughs> if some of it, it it would be a horrible loss of life but not not the most important lives to lose but if some of these antifa instigators got shot then then two things would happen one is those particular instigators would not be bust to the next city the next week to start shit in that other city. But also it would certainly cause a lot of these people to be like, yeah, this isn't worth the, the $4,000 that George Soros is paying me. I think I'm just going to go back to the basement. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of these people are treating this like a vacation. Like this is some video game. Like this is, there are no ramifications. There's no repercussions rather for the things they're doing. There aren't. I, I the 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 other statistics I saw the other day was uh and and this by the way was uh primarily places like Chicago and New York where of the hundreds and hundreds of arrests that have been made the prosecutors in these places have not brought charges or sent a single one to court. So the cops can make all the arrests they want, but within days, you know. They they don't even need all of these Hollywood idiots to bail them out because within days, the prosecutor's like, uh, what's the charge? They're like, well, he was rioting and he threw a brick at a cop and then he torched a hair salon and the prosecutor be like, yeah, but 
was it? What was he wearing? Uh, he was wearing a Black Lives <laughs> Matter shirt. Okay, well, in that case, try, case dismissed. We're not bringing charges, and they're back out on the street to throw more bricks the next day. Yeah, and then people wonder why it keeps continuing. It's not. I don't wonder. Well, in, in you fact, don't wonder. The, I don't wonder. Well, but I and, think, and I do think there's a lot of people that look at this and are like, "Well, this is a much bigger problem because this has been going on for so long." It's like, no, it's the same small group of people, often bust, they, as you said, from one location. I mean, there's there's a very large number of useful idiots who are angry. Uh, they're they're angry because they are 31 years old and their gender studies degree turns out to be not useful at all, and they're feeling lied to by the system. Because the university failed them, because the system failed them, because they, uh, you know, they don't feel like they got a future. And there's a lot of reasons why they might even be correct at that. And these angry people are being driven to go out and join the riots because they've been told that, you know, they, they've been fed a bunch of lies about critical race theory and social justice. And and they're sitting there, you know, without a job. And. Yeah, I get it. They're angry. They're not necessarily the instigators, but they are useful idiots and they have not been correctly informed. They haven't been taught anything at all. And now they're out being part of the crowd and causing problems with for everybody because they are cogs in the leftist machine that started with with one child with no child left behind and zero tolerance policies and continued on in the college indoctrination centers. Well, and you know, kids have nothing better to how much do you think is a part of this from the left wanting to keep everything locked down because of big, bad COVID. How, how many cases do you think that the reasoning is just because, you know, they want the kids to be free to go riot and loot and protest. I, I would not be surprised if that rationale exists. I don't, it, well, yeah, it once- is not intuitive to me that it, that it be, commonplace i mean once kids go back to school once people have jobs then they can't just go out and riot and loot they got places to go and things to do we need them but, we but need them people, free kids kids aren't going back to school some um, are here they my, are well my 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 five-year-old niece started her first day of kindergarten right now uh, like she's doing it right now nice uh, today and uh first day of kindergarten means that daddy has to stay home because she is going to school via a zoom meeting oh that's horrible it is and i i don't have any specific reason to believe that this particular local uh school district is any worse than any you know there are certainly school bad teachers out there who are uh, joining antifa going out and rioting who are trying to teach your kids to be good little Marxists and not bother giving them any useful information. I have no reason to believe that this particular school district has any of those. And I certainly think that the odds are strongly against my niece's teacher being one of those people, but they are in a school district, which is going along with the COVID lockdown hype to the extent that the only interaction that my niece is going to have for her first year in public school with other children her age is going to be through a computer screen what do you think that's going to do to her development it's an interesting thing when you look at it because kids are sitting in front of screens for so many hours already it's just going to exacerbate the problem of them being withdrawn them not being able to communicate face to face for them to not be able to communicate verbally 
these devices, as fun as they are, are doing some really big damage, especially to the next younger generations, I think. And it's not good. It's really not good at all, because when you sit a kid in front of a screen and call that school, you know, they don't have their friend next to them. I mean, I granted the teachers might love it because I'm sure makes it impossible for the kids to be talking during class because they I'm assuming that well, the teachers see the kids and the kids see the teacher, but all the kids don't see all the other kids. And it's a, you know, it's just bad. Well, the, the vast majority of teachers, you, I mean, teaching doesn't pay all that much money. The vast majority of teachers get into this because they genuinely want to teach kids. They genuinely want to make life better for the younger generations. They want to, uh, you know, provide information. They want to have, have a hand in, in, helping people young minds grow up i i think you know it, the vast majority of teachers get into this because they're altruistic they want to help out kids and i uh, the you know the real problem with a zoom meeting is that it is almost impossible to tell whether or not a kid is paying attention or getting anything at all out of the class and that is probably the most destructive thing to the teaching process is i don't think that this school semester, I, I think that the amount of information learned by kids going to school over Zoom. Uh, first of all, I, I have I have some real issues that I think I'll table for the moment about everybody selecting Zoom for this. And we've talked about Zoom on this show yep. and how they are not a righteous company. But it, but, the, but now I, they're in your kids bedrooms or wherever your kids have taking yeah. the class. Yeah. And, and, and they are, you know, it's either that or, or the Google education. Uh, uh, both of these are, are for profit companies that would sell out your kid's mind in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, for all I know, and I have no, I have no evidence of this, but I'm totally going to start the rumor. For all I know, the Google classroom shows ads to your kids every 10 minutes. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. They're certainly collecting data. You know, your kid's sitting there on the Zoom call, you know, and in the background is a My Pretty Pony, you know, stuffed animal or something. And the data is going, oh, this girl likes My Pretty Pony. So let's <laughs> add this to the list. And uh, it's it's scary stuff. It's concerning stuff. But I'm I'm just wondering if there was a young Ryan Bemrose having to do this kind of schooling. It, would you just be doing like a one or two minute video loop of yourself sitting there in front of the camera and then just go wander off during class while you played the video back to the teacher? guessing that's what you do he probably just did that now that's what he does he, with me he, on the show he does he I walks yeah, I, I, no i <laughs> yes yes he does but no <laughs> i would i i would find it to be a a far more engaging opportunity or i a more, far more engaging activity to find ways to get around the requirements of paying attention than i would find it to be paying attention and that's what's going to be the real problem with this school year is People are kids, whatever, uh, whoever the students are going to be learning. And here's my prediction. 30% less. You are going to see a 30% across the board drop in, in grades, in academic retention, in people learning things in paying attention. It's just uh, that that's my number. 30% less information effectiveness of the schools. People are going to be 30% stupider because our kids are not being invited into a a an environment where learning is facilitated um i i don't know you know i don't know what facility your kids are but i would assure you 
that the majority of people who are participating in school over Zoom are doing it on the same computer that they have their games installed on on the the in the same room where they're they've got distractions they've got books toys things things that are more interesting to look at than this zoom call i have to stop you for a minute and uh, relay something from the troll room and if you're not in the troll room when we do these shows live at noon eastern at noagendastream.com you're missing out our buddy brendan kidwell who's been on a couple episodes otherwise known as progo says sir bembrose is too optimistic i don't understand those words in that order but I do believe you're <laughs> I blue. I think you're on the right track. And let's also then throw in the fact that you're probably getting about a 30, 33 percent, as uh, Fletcher pointed out, better number yeah, increase in things like suicide, depression and all of that. And this. Oh, yeah. This goes along to putting kids more into this cyber world. And that, I think, is really a bad thing when that school, which was something where they were forced to be interactive with other kids put the devices down and be away from that for however many hours a day they're in school now seven or eight hours i think that was a good thing now that we're replacing school with putting them in front of a device again i think is scary on so many levels the one story that i brought to the table as the main one that i wanted to talk about today was the fact that there was this happened a week or two ago there was a guy who committed suicide on facebook and there were people watching. I mean, this is a horrible thing. But the intriguing part about this is the video of this was I'm trying then, to figure out the mechanics. How does one commit suicide on Facebook? Is that uh, I mean, do you just like immerse yourself so much that it that that the the code enters your brain and stops your synapses from firing? I could believe that you put your video camera on and you kill yourself while people watch. It's a really oh, cool thing that video. the kids are doing. And is, is is that the new tide challenge? Maybe. And I mean, the more depressing thing about this whole situation isn't the fact that this happened and people watched and that there were people reporting the stream, I guess, because there was a uh, a pretty good clue what the guy was about to do. And of course, nobody at the big company, Facebook, was able to step in soon enough. And I don't believe they ever will be. When you're doing live streaming, which uh, I, 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 that is technically impossible at, at at scale, it is impossible to step in. You know, they can they can put up all the algos they want that automatically filter things and censor all conservative thought. But at the end of the day, they are. It is not possible at scale for one central authority to be the nanny for that many people. That is why we have to have distributed support groups like friends and family remember what that was a thing yes because there's no way to uh have an algorithm that can figure this out because somebody could be doing a video doing their normal podcast one of these girls that does you know their makeup demonstrations well they could go through five minutes of the makeup demonstration then pull out a gun and blow their brains out in an instant you know there's no way uh, to stop this i i have to support if if that's a decision they want to make i i i support people's right to do it i think it's not a good idea and, uh, you know, you'll, they'll regret that for the rest of their life. But the depressing thing is that this video then spread to TikTok and YouTube and the others from people reposting it. Now, this to me just shows that, as we just talked about, especially at scale, there is no way 
to keep the bad content, I don't care what it is, off of any of these platforms, which goes back again for me. By bad content, you mean Marxist? Well, that's bad as well. But child porn, people killing themselves, pornography, things that probably shouldn't be on the public, you know, YouTube, for instance, things that would violate their terms of service. I mean, there are places for this. If you want to post porn, there's porn sites, but these things shouldn't be on YouTube. They shouldn't be on TikTok. You shouldn't have graphic suicides on any of these platforms. And to think that any of these sites can magically keep this stuff off. For me, it goes back to the same thing. Don't let kids have devices. And and maybe that's it. Uh, you know, the, the other option that you have, uh, is if, if you want people to stop reposting, uh, a video of somebody's live suicide, then, um, maybe you just stop trying to censor it because if it becomes normalized, then it's no longer interesting. And it's no longer there's the incentive to repost is gone. And as soon as you know, everybody knows somebody who's committed suicide on Facebook. People would be like, yeah, well, um, I've already seen that. I don't need to repost it. And in fact, uh, you know, Facebook is poison and I should get off of it. Uh, maybe we should just allow this sort of thing to be normalized. So people will stop using Facebook all entirely. Well, I don't it know. Is. It's Terrible like alcohol. idea. Terrible idea. But it does happen to be the thing that Netflix is doing with pedophiles right now. Well, it's like alcohol in Europe where you can drink at a very much younger age that they have less problems with alcohol than they do like in the United States sure. when they say, no, you must be 21. I'm surprised yeah, that's still the you, case. You don't have people turning 21 and becoming insta alcoholics as they get alcohol poisoning. The, the idea of a 21 run really doesn't even make any sense to people in Europe. No. Well, in America, we're trying to make children younger and younger into adults which is an interesting concept as well or at but, least uh, sex objects yeah and uh before we jump off completely I, there was one stat that uh, i think it was mentioned on the rogan show as well with adam but i i looked this one up too because i was curious when they were talking again about this graphic video the guy killing himself showing up on all these different platforms do you know how much video is uploaded to youtube every minute I, I'm sure it's like, you know, measured in libraries of Congress. Kind Google of. Does, Google does like to flaunt that stat. It is 300 hours of new video is uploaded every minute. So what's yeah. that? 18,000 hours every I, hour? I, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like that should go down because YouTube has turned into a terrible platform that that should not be used. But. Oh, no, yeah, that's Google. So but the yeah, network of effect is strong. It is because that's where the eyeballs are. But if you really think there's any way to control the content of that video, now stuff can be pulled down eventually. But a lot of this stuff, like again, the revenge porn and things like this, once it gets out there, and we're seeing from this case as well, one guy posted his suicide. And a bunch of people downloaded it and reposted it. So your revenge porn, it's not like, oh, well, that was up for an hour and then you two pulled it down. Nobody else will ever see it. It's like, no. Well, that's that's just like with with things like the pandemic video or yes, or any kind of any kind of information that suggests that maybe COVID isn't as bad as as the 
the politically connected and people with agendas have have tried to convince us. Uh, you know, Google says, you know, we are we are going to strongly censor anybody who lists anything that wasn't endorsed by the WHO, which is a corrupt institution if ever I've seen one. Um, and yet Google can't even censor that. They, every single time they pull down the video, you know, it's a Hydra. Twelve more copies pop up somewhere and they can't get rid of it. And again, we're believing that Google understands what's accurate and what's not. I read an article on Gizmodo. Are, are you sure? Because they see, seem to think that the WHO has the right idea. They do. They do. And Gizmodo is all in on that, too, which I just laugh. And this whole range of sites that Gizmo, Gizmodo is a part of, including the uh, uh, Life Hacker and all those, have just become nothing but social justice warrior jokes. And I didn't think we'd get to this article, but you mentioned the pandemic video. And it was mentioned in an article headline, While the West Coast Burns. NOAA welcomes a climate change denier on board. So, oh God. The main, yeah, the story is that the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration recently hired David Legates, climate change denier who's previously maintained that the sun is to blame for global warming. I mean, I mean, I know that's um, crazy well, science. That, that is, that is literally true. <laughs> I, well, but this is the article in Gizmodo. Those are their exact words. Um, and then belittles them for saying, well, you know, the CO2 levels rising are fine because it means we'll get bigger crabs, you know, and that's that makes him a bad guy, uh, I guess. That, that, I, I, that depends on whether or not you're fishing or, or yeah. you're in a brothel, I suppose. Yeah, I was going to make that joke, but I didn't want to go there. Congratulations. Thank you for going where I wouldn't. You're welcome. It's a service <laughs> I provide. It says, quote, meanwhile, millions of acres on the West Coast continue to be incinerated by so-called climate fires. Like, OK, uh, <laughs> so Gizmodo is calling these fires on the West Coast Do, does. OK, climate does Gizmodo, fires. No, they they didn't come up with the term climate fires. Do they give credit to who came up with the term? Uh, it's it, I have a link to it, but it doesn't uh, say anything in the article. Uh, I'll, here. I'll give you a hint because it's one of the articles that happened to be in my notes that Ooh. I wasn't going to bring up because fuck this guy. It's under uh, some, the, the link. It goes to is saying Seattle's air is hazardous. So congratulations. The, the Seattle's area is hazardous. And, and that may or may not have anything to do with the fires. But no, um, the term climate fires was coined in a press conference a few days ago by none other than Washington Governor Jay fucking Inslee. Ooh, who, if you recall, uh, sometime late last year, had actually felt like he was presidential material and was running on an all climate change all the time platform. And climate change kind of went by the wayside. And his agenda was forcibly upturned when it suddenly became more important to become a goddamn authoritarian tin pot dictator who was destroying his, the economy and all of the people's lives in his state. And he had to take some time out of his busy climate change agenda to do that. But now that, uh, you know, everybody living with the new wave of oppressiveness is becoming normalized and there's not as many new edicts to put out there to ruin people's lives. He's going back to making sure that he he pushes the climate change rhetoric. Well, it's good to know and Gizmodo is in on his terms. But, yeah, that's the first paragraph in they, this article that the NOAA hired this guy. He's a climate denier who says the sun is to blame for global warming and the rising CO2 and that 
the West Coast fires are incinerated, being incinerated. The West Coast is by the climate fires. And then the next paragraph is, yeah, I'm every bit as confused as you are. So now these people writing these articles are now assuming what the people reading them are thinking after the first stupid paragraph. That <laughs> well, if if your paragraph is that stupid, then what I'm thinking is I don't need to read this article anymore and finding the back button. But yes, well, that is pretty much. I mean, to be fair uh, for everybody listening, this probably isn't worthy of reading because it's on Gizmodo and it's nothing but a social justice warrior. But they, it's a hit piece on the guy that the N double then OAA has hired. Well, of course, that and- that is that's how that's how the these things operate. You. You cannot possibly have open discussion and, 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 you know, as long as we're talking about fallacies, that, that is another fun one that I see from people on the left all the time, which is if you don't like the message, then ad hominem attack the messenger. You, it, it, it's a very, very common thing, especially amongst social justice, where if, if you don't have a useful argument against what somebody says then just attack who they are because identity is far more important than position. And just for the record, look up ad hominem. That is the fallacy that is being committed and is just normalized in mainstream uh, news and, and discourse today. Yeah. And I thought they mentioned the pandemic. That must've been a different article, but uh, it does uh, the one article, the one paragraph I thought was great. Uh, An apocalyptic as it may seem right now, scientists say the world is on track for roughly 5.5 degrees Fahrenheit of heating, so things can still get a hell of a lot worse and without divisive, comprehensive reform. (laughs) No, no, everything, everything about that is divisive. But, you know, we uh, we need decisive, comprehensive reform now. So here here's the the quote from Jay Inslee earlier in the week that you're going to like this. This is not an act of God, Inslee said. This has happened because we have changed the climate of the state of Washington in dramatic ways. So I guess all of the other thousands and thousands of times that the places in the state of Washington have had wildfires for, oh, as long as humans have existed, um, those weren't fires because we didn't cause them directly. These, These are actual fires because we caused them by climate change. But all the other fires, those were, I, 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 let's ignore that. Yeah, they never happened, even though the going back into like the 17, 1800s, there were fires. But no, this is all new. The concept of more being sparked, it's pretty easy to see that when they stopped taking care of the brush underneath the electrical lines, this is what started. And the fact yeah. that half the country seemingly is on fire because of it, you would think eventually. The fine people of California, Oregon, and Washington would be like, fix this crap. But no, they're the too fine stupid. people are all leaving. <laughs> they're getting the hell out of Dodge. I don't blame them. I don't blame it's, them. Yeah. Because what else do you do? I don't know. It's uh, it, it, it's sad that there's this kind of issue with the technology that we have. It is almost unbelievable to have the issues with fires that we're having. but. You know, when you totally believable, it fucking happens every year. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's better. The last time it was this bad was when uh, Rhino the Bearded was in town in Seattle. You should listen to him talk about the those fires. That was three years ago. Um, But yeah, we we always have fires. But we have the technology to keep them 
minimized and we are intentionally not mm, using it. Not really. What, what we have the technology to do is, and this, this is not new technology. This is something that was understood to people living on the prairie in the 19th century. And that is, we have the ability to decide when and where we can start a fire. We do not have the ability. We still, with all of the technology that exists, we do not have the ability to prevent fires indefinitely because grass grows, brush grows. The longer that you go without a fire, the thicker it gets, the more danger it is, the more, the hotter the fire is when it finally burns. And that is the problem plaguing, especially California, where the, the state department of, of uh, climate change or whatever they've called it has decided on a no fires ever policy. And therefore the underbrush just keeps getting thicker and thicker. And when they finally lose the ability to control a fire, because it, it, it just, I mean, the longer you wait, the worse it gets. And when, when those fires finally get out of control, they level entire cities. And then we get huge stories about climate change. This isn't about climate change. It's about the fact that you are not controlling the underbrush. You are not controlling that it, back in on, on the great plains. When, when California was nothing more than a gold rush, they knew that if you want your house to not burn down, when a fire starts during a massive storm, then you set fire to the fields when the grass is short and the wind is calm, and then you control where the fire goes and that gets rid of the brush. That's how you manage fires. That seems reasonable because it needs things to feed on. So that's what, when people don't understand about the controlled fires, because I saw a video of one of the drones that was like dropping you know, sparks and stuff. And it's like, well, but if you burn a little area here, that you've now separated so it's only going to burn you know however many feet wide well when the, you seen the video of the drone with the flamethrower uh-huh that was the most awesome drone ever like, anyway. I, like i would i could use that for so many different things oh yeah <laughs> so many uses it's like but this is you know again one of the technologies it's like you see the fire coming you try to get a strip in front of it that you can control burn that when the actual big fire gets there well it's already been burned out so what does yeah. a fire do if it has nothing to burn it goes oh shit i gotta die and you know and, and a fine example of of managing a controlled burn is you you get the plow out because uh you know grass burns but dirt doesn't so you get the plow out and you drag the plow and have a long line of soil that's turned over that the fire won't skip across and then you 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 draw the lines of this is the area I want to burn. And then you set it on fire and then you stand there with a truck and a hose with you know, full of water. And if any sparks get across the line, then you put those out. But for the most part, the, the fire break is, is keeping the fire from spreading. You know, the, the, the most important fire breaks in, in modern forests today are logging roads because you, you turn a road into gravel and the gravel doesn't burn. And now the fire has a, a small fire won't jump across that road. A large fire will jump across the road. In fact, the fire gets large enough. It'll jump across an interstate freeway. Yes. Yeah, it gets hot. And uh, Progo, I think, would be a very good, at least back in the day, he'd have been a great mayor of a city like Chicago because he says he would use one of those fire drones for rioting. And I uh, so want to see that video. I would think that uh, better than that is I would have one drone flying in front of the fire drone 
just throwing just off kerosene it. or gasoline. Oh, <laughs> you need another drone just to, to video the drone that you're using with a flamethrower, though. That's that's true. But see, now this way, if you're out riding and you get the drone, you know, you get splashed with the gasoline or kerosene, you know, you got like five minutes to get the hell home before the fire drone that, comes. That is arguably cruel and unusual punishment. Of course but at it the is. same time, I totally want to see it. Yes. I mean, again, if you want to talk about keeping people in line, violence is always the solution. You've taught me that. Yeah. But if you're going to insist on supporting the Constitution, you have to support all of it. And Damn it. Yeah, I, it, it's tough. It's it, it's that's very it's inconvenient. Tough sometimes, but yeah, well, and yeah, but but that's that's the difference between us and our current batch of politicians is that it, when a law is inconvenient, you don't just ignore it. It's all to protect the children. It is what? to protect what? the children. Why would, why would we want to do that? I don't know. They're just growing up and turning into Marxists. <laughs> It's okay. So I, I <laughs> while that logic is so sound, I don't know where to go with that one. Uh, except does, does, does saying that make me a bad person? No, I mean so many other things do. This in particularly, okay. not necessarily. But I we have to talk for a brief moment at least about the cuties scandal that's going on. The movie that Netflix oh God, is showing. We, have to? we do for one reason. I mean, it was on the radar for at least a few shows now but it was never important enough i that i at least i didn't think so to talk about it alone so should should we should we back up all the way to to epstein and gislaine and and explain why uh despite the fact that i have been steadfastly trying to ignore it for the last 15 or 20 shows um, you know, being connected with places like No Agenda Social, which has a reasonably large uh, contingency of people who uh, might be called by the mainstream right wing or conspiracy um, theorists or conspiracy theorists. Uh, although the 2020 is demonstrating that a lot of these are are you know, they're they're not really theories anymore. But um. Do do we you know we have been inundated at least you know where I do my research no agenda social and some other places you know places that aren't the mainstream I am seeing have been seeing stories about the pedophile rings in the highest levels of institutions over and over and over again and I have been ignoring them because that's not a story that I really wanted to bring to this show but if you're going to do it do we want to go back and give a little bit of background sure I mean it's part of it it is part of it because I've noticed the wording. And Epstein is constantly in articles now called a convicted pedophile, which that isn't actually true. He was convicted of sex trafficking with a 15 year old, but that doesn't uh, he, make somebody he was a, pedophile. a suicided pedophile. Yeah, well, that too. But do you believe either of those? I don't know. There's language means something. And I mean, I know you're picking a, you know, really just picking at the, uh, um, you know, some people will say anyway that you're just being nitpicky saying, well, you know, it was she was young enough or whatnot. But no, I mean, you, to me, either change the definition of the word or be accurate with it. I mean, did Epstein like young girls? Sure. That's no question about it. Was he creepy? Sure. Did he do illegal things? Sure. But the normalization of pedophiles, and we had a conversation in the No Agenda Troll Room with spooky r who was like well this is helping to normalize the people that actually you know abuse babies infants in this because that's a pedophile 
when you start bringing this into something, you know, a 15 year old girl, JCD brought up again, go to Kellyanne Conway, her daughter's, uh, you know, Instagram or other social media sites to see what she's posting. And it's like, you don't look at her and go, well, that's a child. So there has to be a line somewhere. And that's a lot of the questions of the stories we have today, including California wanting to let 16 year olds vote. So now does that mean 16 year olds are adults? I mean, if you're going to let them vote, then 16 is now the adult right now in America, it's 18 years old. Is, I mean, 37 year olds in California aren't demonstrating that they have any right to vote, but or any business voting. Well, that's probably true as well, because they don't have a really a knowledge of what's going on. But the Epstein thing sure brought a lot of this up, including Bill Clinton being tied to Epstein's island with eyewitness accounts that say, oh, we saw Bill with two young girls. It's like, well, what does that mean? You know, I'm 50 years old now. You're getting yeah, close. I, it's like what you I, know, I to, saw Bill with two young girls on inauguration day. They were his daughters. Yeah. Well, and OK, let's just assume that these weren't family members. And Bill was just hanging and cavorting in a sexual manner with two young girls. Well, when Bill Clinton's like 60 years old, a girl that's like 20 next to him looks like a young girl, completely legal. I mean, again, you can make the case creepy, whatever you want to make. Yeah, creepy, but legal. Yes. And that's where you start using just this word. This terminology young means nothing when it's like, what does younger mean? What it's well, that just means somebody younger than he is. And if he's really old, well, then, you know, I'm 50 years old now, man. I hate to say that if I was out cavorting with a 30 year old woman, it's like, that's a younger girl now. Damn it. I mean, you know, there's a there's a certain level of you know understanding and trying to normalize this kind of stuff. The Epstein thing obviously has brought this stuff to light. The what was it, Judge Roy, Judge Roy Brown, right? That, oh, he had dated like a 16 year old or something, and then he was called a pedophile. And it's like, you know, again, that's not the correct word. Creepy. Is, is he is he the guy that Kamala Harris? No, that was Willie, Willie Brown. OK, <laughs> I, I was going to say, because that's way creepier. <laughs> No, Willie Brown and Roy Brown, different guys. And uh, yeah, the same dynasty in the California Empire, though. <laughs> well, well, Willie Brown. Yes. Uh, Roy Brown was from like Alabama or something. OK, but this cuties thing came up and it immediately was causing a lot of media hubbub, a lot of social media hubbub, I think mainly because the photograph that Netflix chose to do the marketing on this was questionable and salacious but of course it's marketing so it's always questionable and salacious that's what they do you know i mean thank thank you for taking my point there yeah i mean i just just wanted to help you out there because i know you know that's where you'd go and it's rightfully so but in this case it's annoying people and i was like well okay let me see what's this actually about because that's the first thing you hear is this is, you know, just a pedophile's dream. So I went in and I'm like, well, OK, who made this movie? And it was some French director who uh, French. That explains everything. Well, yeah, that's what well, Adam Curry said this. Adam Curry watched <laughs> this. So we didn't have to. So thank you. Podfather. Say, I'm sure as fuck not going to watch it. <laughs> I'm not watching it either. And which is one of the other reasons why I never just thought we should really comment too much on it. I didn't have a source. You brought it up. I get it. That I trusted. 
enough that they had seen the movie and otherwise you're just buying into the same crap that everybody else is which is a knee-jerk reaction on not knowing what the movie was about now from what adam said about this movie it's a very boring art house kind of french movie in french that talks about some very serious shit I, I believe that, but at the same time, most porn doesn't have, you don't go watch it for the plot. Well, this is all about the plot, I believe, you know, I and thought, this is how the fact that the this social media, well, yes, you know, the fact that this movie seems to be made to show the danger of social media on children, how destructive it can be and well, what it can lead message. to. It's a, right. It's a horrible message, isn't it? I mean. Again, this is because parents are paying no attention to what their kids are doing. Well, no, I, I, I the message that social media is destructive to children is, in fact, a message that a lot of people need to get. Yes. And this was obviously brought in a manner that made people uncomfortable. You know, Adam said there was, you know, towards the end of the movie there. This is kind of, I guess, where the photograph came for the marketing that the girls are all emulating and they're like 12 year old girls or so emulating the Beyonce moves, you know, the Cardi B moves, the stuff that you would see in these videos that's being force fed to I, kids. I, I consider it a point of personal pride that I do not know the Cardi B moves. I don't either. But this is what I was, you know, this again, this is how it was described by the podfather. And he knows things. He's the podfather. He's been on Rogan twice. He knows things. And the fact that, he, you know, he said the, that part of the movie went on a little long and it was uncomfortable to watch. But then it's like, well, isn't that the whole concept of why this movie was probably made? Wasn't to feed into this need for for pervert guys to watch. But maybe just maybe it was made so parents would go, holy crap. Is that what my kids are doing? Give me that fucking phone. No more. Maybe, you know, if if that is the message and it's it's difficult to figure out what message they're trying to convey if uh, if any from clips or from articles you kind of have to go watch the movie which i'm not interested in doing but if the message of the movie is uh you know this is this is the dark side of social media and don't let this be your kids then then maybe this is a movie that had to be made yes i mean that's at least i think the case can be made for that because otherwise people are too stupid to understand. They just go, oh, no, my kids are fine. They're not people doing are anything stupid. Uh huh. You know, I this think, is, you know, because because everything that I'd heard about this, admittedly, just in passing and mostly in memes, when I really, really didn't want to hear anything at all about it was, uh, oh, this is nothing more than than fuel for pedophiles to look at children twerking. Like, well, um, I mean. Yeah, but okay. Does bringing it to Hollywood make it less accessible? If if they if they really want to see children twerking, there are plenty of videos on Facebook that or YouTube that you're going to be able to find, and Instagram, and TikTok, and all over the internet, especially yeah. Which is, I think, one of the overall things that should be taken away from this movie. Now, the most interesting interesting thing to me then becomes so all of the people that are against this movie are they really for or against child exploitation because the movie when you look at it from a critical aspect is trying to shed light upon a problem that exists so if you're anti the movie 
you really there's some questions about why you're against the movie you know if true you know it's uh it's questionable you know the people on both sides have come out against it you know tulsi gabbard was one of them you know everybody on the right is against it because everybody on the right didn't pay any attention to what the movie actually was they were told it was child exploitation and then they ran with it are arguably every everybody on the right is against everything new because uh for the most part the right is the party of the status quo you know so it's interesting i mean that's interesting to me like i said you then put this with the epstein case you put this with california trying to pass so 16 year olds can vote and there's so many stories that seem to be going down that line of children should be treated as adults i mean greta i mean greta is the poster child for this whole thing is that the whole world should listen to this very smart girl, you know, but then on uh, the I, other side of it, they're telling you that girls at 17 can't make the decision of what they want to do. If a guy is corrupting them, I don't know. I don't know what you're I, supposed to believe. Where's the adult uh, start and everybody's my, different. My, my, my expectation, my explanation for the getting 16 year olds to vote is, is a lot simpler than that. It's pretty much a transparent attempt to get more Democrat voters because it's, uh, because the school systems are, uh, especially in California, are uh, turning out Marxists and people who think that the Republicans are the greatest evil ever known to man. And therefore, the the more of those people that you've, you know, now now that the indoctrination has been going on for, you know, when did, when did Common Core start 15, 20 years ago? Um, you, you've got enough people who've been raised all their lives to believe in to you know to to buy up what you're selling to pick pick up what you're laying down and so giving them the right to vote is absolutely going to increase the number of democrat voters that that's pretty transparent yeah and what was the other law that was just passed in california that was the the headlines I don't know, you're but seeing if it was passed in california it was probably bad well the headlines you're seeing is saying that it's again normalizing sex with children but from what i could gather by reading a wide variety of sources and this is what everybody needs to do these days if you see it on you know breitbart and glenn beck's site and whatever if you're reading those kind of websites which lean conservative and you really want to see what's going on i think you have to then go to the huffpo or these other sites that cover the other side of it and you know if possible when you're talking about legislation i mean i know most people would rather put a gun to their head then go read actual legislation because that's long it's yeah, boring it's just me me jen briney and adam curry you know but this law seemingly only changed things to equalize the playing field which was in california the law was set up and it was nobody younger than 14 so one that's good but if in this case in california one of the cases that was given as an example was well, this is now going to normalize letting a 24-year-old have sex with a 14-year-old. Well, the only thing this appeared to change was that the law, up until this new law came out, and if anybody knows more about this, feel free to let me know if I'm wrong with this, but it was that if it was a heterosexual couple, so if it was a man and a girl at 24 and 14, a judge had the opportunity to say, well, no, this was consensual. They're in a relationship and the guy shouldn't go on the sex offender list. But if it was a 24 year old girl with a 14 year old girl or a 24 year old guy with a 14 year old guy, you're going on the sex offender list no matter what. And 
That to me doesn't seem fair. Now, I don't know any 24 year old should be with 14 year olds, but if you're going to have the law that says it's okay when it's a guy and a girl, then it should be the same for girl, girl, or guy, guy. That just seems logical to me that you really shouldn't have different laws based upon that. Or am I wrong there? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I was, I was trying to inform myself during your talk by doing a quick search and I, I did search for California child sex law. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you, see, that's a really bad thing to search for. Well, it, yes, but in general, it's a bad thing to search. Also, uh, I was searching on Bing where, oh. uh, you, you're, I mean, you're not, they're not going to give you any really bad results because honestly, they don't have enough results. To they, do don't, that. they don't do it right. But, they don't, they actually don't scrape enough of the internet to give you bad yeah, results. It's they, a beautiful thing. They don't thing. scrape the deep web where all the bad results are. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, Microsoft. But I, I could not find, I could not find the story you were talking about because the only thing that came up for the top, like six results was, uh, California lawmakers pass bill to apply sexual offense laws equally to LGBTQ people. That's it. That's probably the, Oh, is it? Yes. That's probably the most neutral headline, but most of the headlines are, are things like, uh, you know, uh, decreasing trans rights and things like that. You know, it just, like I said, there's a lot of really weird laws, which is why we have to get rid of the lawmakers. They're making too many complex laws that I don't understand those exceptions where somebody was originally sitting around and said, well, yeah, you know, if it's between a guy and a girl, well, then maybe they don't have to go on the sex offender list. But if they're gay, well, then, you know, screw them. I, I, I mean, we can we can go back to uh, an idea that I pushed before, which is that uh, all all legislation um, should have a mandatory sunset clause. Uh, well, you know, be 10 years, 15, 20, whatever, but all legislation must have a mandatory clause that says this legislation expires at this time. And that will prevent us from ending up with the kind of law like, uh, you know, in 1861, uh, you know, there was a law passed that you can't walk your alligator on the left side of the street or something. Those, those would go away. Uh, but more yes. importantly, it would keep uh, the politicians busy. Yeah. But, but it would also significantly reduce the, you know, the, the number of, of, reasons that the government will come out and point a gun at you uh is, is effectively the list of laws and uh the the total list of of laws that apply in the United States is uh longer than than the Bing search index it 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 is not, if you printed it all out there is not a building in this country that it would fit into and and that that includes you know, laws, every single one of them that's been on the book, because we we have a profession called lawmaker, but we don't have any profession called law remover. We should. So, uh, the longer the country goes, the more laws we have. And uh, the, the, the very fact, you know, the, even at the beginning of the country, this was n true to an extent. But the very fact that there is a profession called a lawyer, a profession of people who understand the law is evidence in itself that the law is too complicated for the average person to understand. And if the law is too complicated for the average person to understand, is it actually ethical to enforce it against them? I would argue no. If, if you are going to enforce laws, you have to reasonably expect that person to be able to know them. And in order to do that, you need far fewer laws. And that, by the way, in, in a nutshell, is an argument toward 
a natural rights-based law like uh, anarchy or libertarianism. And the moment that I say those key words, a lot of people tune out because there is a lot of of propaganda about how that is extremely bad. But um, I would like to point out that um, it's not libertarians who are currently burning down all of these left coast cities. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I went to open up a link that I knew was going to trigger you. And No Agenda Social was on I'm, my screen. I'm triggered already. Yeah. No Agenda Social was on my screen. And our buddy, did, did, Sir Chris. CSB post? Oh. No, no. CSB is listening to us. There is a post from him. So thank you, Comic Strip Blogger, for listening to us. If you want to check out his work, you could do so at comicstripblog.com. But the latest toot, which is what they call the tweets on the Mastodon server. And if you're not on No Agenda Social, noagendasocial.com. Go to the Grumpy Old Ben's page. You can get an invite. Sir Chris who, if you remember, Sir Chris, like the first couple shows we did when it ran on the stream, he was the one that said we were neither as clever or charming as we thought we were. And I mean, truer words were never spoken. Oh, yeah, he was right. I mean, there's no question about that. But but what what he underestimated was exactly how clever and charming we think we are. Yes, that is true. He just didn't know how 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 accurate he really was. He didn't know the uh, delusions of grandeur that were spinning around both of our heads. But uh, absolutely. We might have to get him on the show because his latest toot is how to use influencer marketing to promote your book by Chris Abram. And then there's a link. So he's he he is an influ- influencer marketing that is right up the alley for you to have a conversation with him about I, marketing. I don't know. I'm skeptical. You're always skeptical. But the article I was pulling up came from breitbart and again we go to california because i know california oh wait this That's is the, the sex ed one so there were two things out of california, california too many times already oh i know i know this was the uh, california school district wanting to teach the sex ed now this goes i guess right down the line of you know the whole cuties things like so when are they adults because california now uh, although parents have pushed back the santa barbara unified school district don't care They've adopted a radical sex education curriculum for middle schoolers that now includes lessons on choosing one's gender, finding birth control, uh, finding birth control and finding abortion providers, as well as condom demonstrations. I don't know if this is proper for middle school. And again, maybe uh, this, this this seems to me to be wait, another wait, story. Oh, that- I was going to say I was going to say I was I was taught about some of those things like like condoms in sex ed in high school. Yes. In uh, high school, I think school. you're getting there. But yeah, middle okay. school. And uh, honestly, by the time you, we got into sex ed in, in high school, though, um, I, I mean, it was we too late. Learned from our peers. Well, it, it wasn't actually too late for me. I, it, it wasn't until college that I, I probably shouldn't admit anything. But um, I, you know, you definitely already learned from your peers long before they taught you in any kind of formal setting. So maybe they're just trying to nip that in the bud, but at the same time, uh, I, I know that this, this goes against the, the plans for most school curricula, but the fact is people mature at different ages. And if you teach everybody about how to have sex at 14, uh, some of them have already started and some of them are not ready for that yet. And I, Hey, well, I, in know, an ideal world, I would think that that sort of thing is not the job of the school at all. It's the job of the parents, the birds and the bees talk. That is what needs to happen. Yes. And it should. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree that that is more. Again, parents take responsibility. And, you know, and it's one thing if you were just doing the basics. But the fact that in middle school, this this curriculum also 
includes anal sex and masturbation. I mean, those are things that need to be taught in middle school. I don't know. Uh, well, okay. First of all, masturbation never needs to be taught. Every human on earth has figured it out for themselves. It's like, huh. it's, it's not that difficult. You get urges, you, you get immediate feedback of what you, what you touch and what it does. Um, people figure that sort of thing out. That's, that's just kind of part of being human. You don't need to teach it. I think it is definitely a runaround for some religious groups, which we've talked about the war on religion, and we don't have enough time in this show to get into that. But I do think that is also a part of what is going on here. And again, we're treating these children that at middle school would be like, what, 13 or 12 years old. So now if that's an adult, then the whole Epstein thing and the cuties thing starts taking on a whole different point of view, because this is you're teaching these kids who are the age of the girls in the cuties movie about this stuff and you're saying this is great california saying these kids should be out there learning about all this stuff anal sex is great at 12 years old so what's the big deal about a movie showing them dancing uh well i'm i'm i i'm I'm not sure that it's a good idea to normalize anal sex and i'm not sure that that, (laughs) i mean it it can be a footnote it can be the kind of thing like you know instead of having regular sex here are a number of things that you can have but you know, that's probably fine saying there are alternatives and anal is one of them. Okay. I, I, I get that. And, and some people are into it. Some people aren't. Uh, personally, I think it's a massive fucking turnoff, but I get that I'm not normal. Um, or, or maybe I am. I, you know what? I don't want to have that conversation. Shut up and stop sending me mail already. But, Ryan at grumpyoldbends.com. Send them your favorite but pictures. If, if they're giving lessons or something, no. Uh, leave, leave that to, let them watch youtube videos they're if if they're really interested don't don't give people lessons on how to do it don't and it's one thing to to not stigmatize it you don't have to go all catholic church on it right and say if you know if there's any kind of gratification or or if you ever satisfy the needs of your body you're committing a sin i don't know if that's still catholic doctrine but it's the the kind of hyperbole i'm bringing out uh, but at the same time, you don't have to teach people how to do it. You don't have to say, you know, oh, it, you know, everything is perfectly normal and everybody does it all the time because no, not everybody does it. And it, that should be a, a personal choice that should definitely not be taught by public schools. No. And if the curriculum is the product of a group called Health Connected on their website, it says they show their support for Planned Parenthood. Of course they do, because eugenics makes you happy. I uh, eugenics does make a lot of these people happy yes but the the story i was looking for is this one here you know, this you know that cancel culture is just a, a continuing extension of eugenics it is we need to take everybody that we have in in our in in our enlightened bigotry you know you, you we the in group whoever that is the eugenicists the you, the leftist in every case um use their informed bigotry to determine who they want to exist and who they don't want to exist. And then you take steps to get rid of the people who don't, you don't want to exist. And in ancient times, you would outright kill them in the enlightened times of eugenics. You would try to prevent them from breeding by forced sterilization and that sort of thing in cancel culture. You just remove their MasterCard so that they'll eventually die of starvation on the streets because you've taken away their ability to exist in society. But it's very enlightened. And now you have washed your hands of all of that, you know, terrible, you know, destroying people's lives because all you've done is cancel them. And if you still haven't listened to our great episode on cashless, go back. That was like, what, two, three, somewhere in the very early uh, grumpy old bands. Look uh, for cashless. Cashless was number 
free. Yeah. Well worth listening to, especially to see just how much we were right. But this next story, we're moving from California all the way across the country to Georgia. Well, I, I proof of anybody getting out of California. Yes. The Fayette County Public Schools. It's a 24 school district in Georgia reopened its classroom doors last month. As many schools across the country, officials are concerned about safety and bringing students back to school amid a pandemic. You know what they're turning to for help? Zoom. Surveillance technology. It's even worse than Zoom. Well, I, I mean, that is what I said. Was, I, I said surveillance technology in one word. Well, but this is in the school itself. So this isn't the kids oh, going to be at oh, home. They're letting people into the school? Yes. But oh, wow. with that okay, said, well, that's I already getting back to normal more than anything happening on the left coast. Yes and no. This is the interesting part. The school district recently made a deal. This is a the next web dot com article. The school district recently made a deal to purchase up to 75 cameras equipped with thermal imaging. The cameras made okay. by Hick Vision, H.I.K. Vision. OK, now, is this like what you do <laughs> oh, the, in no, Alabama? It's from Alabama? Yeah. yeah. Like it's heck vision. You can send hate mail to me. I'm sorry. I like the Southerners. I like country music. Give me some good Southern fried chicken. And I am a happy boy. It's a Chinese provider of facial recognition tools and other surveillance equipments. These cameras cost $7,000 each. Yeah, that's that's a that's a terrible use of of tax money. But these cameras allegedly rapidly estimate the temperature of people to monitor potential virus spread this honestly isn't even the worst thing that's happened in school surveillance in the last five or ten years no but it's also there 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 are a lot of districts that have been running facial recognition on every student who walks through just to make sure that anybody who goes through the main student gate is a student and if you're not like if you're from another school or something, then they'll, you know, six security dogs on you to tear you limb from limb or something. Well, that's an interesting use of it. They are offering other value added choices like automated mask detection and face identification. I will say, okay, I disapprove of that. The, I mean, that is an interesting part. Again, it depends like all of this stuff. Like we talked about the convenience stores running facial recognition, casinos running facial recognition. Yeah. If, all, all, all things that don't work in Portland anymore. Right. But now, in the case of a school, I think I might be okay with some of that if the data, although this is, again, I understand you can't control it. But let's just say in a utopia where you could control that data stayed in the school, if every student was identified, meaning if somebody walked into the school that wasn't actually a student, it's some really cool technology that would be like, ooh, this person's not supposed to be here. With that said, there's other ways to do that, like checking somebody's ID walking into the building. See, schools in general, and I'm I'm, I'm going to go back to the the original definition of what, or you know, the concept of what schools are supposed to be about. They, in general, provide three main services. There's three major things that you get for having money stolen from your property taxes in order to fund them. Uh, one of them, and the purported reason for their existing, is to provide children with access to information and uh, a directed uh, guidance on how to use and think about that information. That is, that is the stated goal of schools uh, also known as teaching. The other two services they provide is to the children. They provide an important access to interaction with other people, your age. 
and to the parent, they provide babysitting. Yes. Uh, one of the problems with this remote school stuff is that for the most part, the last two have gone out the window. They're they're done. Yeah, no more daycare. Uh, where where I mean, daycare is right out. Everybody you know is forced to stay home and pay attention to their own kids, uh, which is of course the worst thing in the world for parents and the kind of thing that. Um, well, every parent had to do before state-sponsored babysitting, but yeah, you know. it does make it is a but, it's hard on the single parent household because how do you go to work? Um, and interaction with other children your age, uh, the schools aren't really providing that. I mean, yeah, they're putting you on a Zoom call with other children your age, but is that really interaction? Sounds like um, chat roulette. It <laughs> maybe. Uh, so we we've lost two of the three. Um, and, and I would argue that public schools lost the former a lot, the, the access to information, um, schools have been, uh, made obsolete by the internet. Uh, you have access to all the information you could possibly want. If you are, if you know how to go get it, which is where the directed learning comes in. Um, so the one thing that schools have still been providing other than, than babysitting and socializing. The, the one thing in education the schools have still been providing is uh, a teaching is direction, how to take that information and think critically about it. And for years, a lot of, of school culture, and I, I don't know that this started with common core, but that was definitely a big step in it. I feel like schools have stopped teaching people how to think I agree. In, in, in many, many cases. Now, it's not all lost and there is still some benefit, but I'm not convinced that public school is the, the best place to get that anymore. Uh, when we talked about schools earlier, one of the lines that Progo dropped into the troll room was uh, he said that a lot of his coworkers are actually dropping what they're doing uh, at work for certain hours of the day for the purpose of homeschooling their own children because uh, public schools have failed on two and a half of the three things that they were that, that, that they were providing people. And, and yeah, because it's a tax and because it's the government and because it's the state and I'll rant about that over and over again, I'm sure uh, we can't stop paying for public schools, but we can minimize the amount of damage that they're doing to our children in exchange for what little benefit is being provided. And I, I, I would urge every parent who has the ability to do anything resembling homeschool, you are going to be far, your, your child is going to be far better off in, in receiving teaching and directed learning and, and you know, the, the absolute most important skill that you can get from a public school and, and a crime that, that so few actually get it is walking out at the end of public school or out at the end of your education knowing how to think critically about the facts that you're given. And I feel like if a parent is in a much better position to do that, and if it is at all possible, I urge every parent to homeschool for at least as long as these public schools are completely and utterly failing at their tasks by not allowing you into the classroom, by not teaching your kids, by not allowing them any access to other kids. I remember growing up and there were always the homeschooled people who were in my classes. I, I was an unfortunate victim of public school myself. Um, but I, I I would argue that, uh, railing against that authority might've made of me some of the person I am today. 
But the homeschooled kids, the the ones who had been homeschooled like all the way up to high school and then would finish off their senior year in public school just for the it, they always had a far better education and they usually were not as well socialized. And so the senior year at high school was good for socializing. Um but I was always envious of you you mean you mean you got to you got to learn history and you got to actually learn the periods of history that they totally glossed over and ignored in my history book. I'm so jealous. Well, you were because you want that knowledge. Most kids don't. And the school, as much as this technology can be useful, I think you have to look at it also from you don't want this to become, you know, the incubator for your kids getting used to being under a surveillance state. And the article goes off into different ways technology has been used even before the COVID pandemic with different school systems doing different things. One New York state school began experimenting with facial recognition technology before the legislatures of the state hit pause on the program. So maybe they, they were getting that uh, figured out a little bit, but then they went to Bluetooth location tracking, which I don't know if that's any better. Um, Wall street journal had a, a report on the AI powered Motorola service for detecting mass compliance. You know, other students are giving students wearables for tracking whom they come in contact with, or others are offering COVID screening apps. You know, it's how, how much do you know about this mass compliance AI? Because that fascinates me. Here's here's the first problem that that comes to mind is it's not that difficult to tell necessarily if if somebody has you know, like for girls or for if you're shaven or something to tell that oh look the lower half of your face is the same color as the upper half which means that there's a good chance you're not and there's you know features like a nose and mouth okay then right. probably not a map but um i have a beard is it going to am i going to be able to walk in and not wear a mask and have it go oh yeah the lower half of your face is a different color obviously a mask it's yeah it's interesting i don't know how it depends how the uh, artificial intelligence was programmed to go i see an eye but then I don't see a nose and mouth maybe is what it is. Although with the big enough beard, you might not see the mouth anyway. I, I, it, it, I, I, I'm interested in that technology for that reason. Now I am I interested in a rollout of that technology. No, because it is a massive tool that exists for and will only be used by authoritarians who want to remove my rights. And I'm generally against that sort of thing, but the technology itself, I, I, how are, how are they making it work? I don't know. It's amazing. I mean, it's li- literally I get the understanding of, you know, the, what the technology can do. And as I said, I kind of like the idea that if there's a kid in the school that's not supposed to be there, that the cameras will pick it up where a human being never will, because no human monitoring cameras would know that one kid doesn't look familiar. We've never seen him before. He's not in our database. But well, that that sort of thing is is very possible in a, a small town school. Yes. Well, it gets harder the larger the school gets. It gets harder sure. depending where I mean, the at, cameras at are point, placed. At some point, it becomes infeasible for uh, any given teacher or person to recognize every single one of the students. And uh, the argument can certainly be made that that once you've reached that point, you've taken all of the personal human touch out of your school and and you're not serving the purpose of helping people socialize and become a member of society anymore well and again people just don't realize where the technology is going because parents i think a lot of them would sign off on oh yeah you could use my kid's face to make sure he's safe in school but then you know 10 years later when your kid holds up a 7-eleven and they use that to identify him well then you maybe you're not so happy 
I, if so, if, if somebody's holding up a seven 11, I'm, I'm actually okay with the, the consequences of that coming down. The thing that bothers me far more is when, uh, when somebody is, uh, makes the wrong post on Facebook or, or, you know, or, or some, somebody say, well, yes. uh, decides that they want to violate quarantine in Victoria, Australia, and, uh, you know, go see their sick grandfather who's more than five kilometers away from their house. And the police use facial recognition to detect that you were actually 5.2 kilometers away from home. And the AI automatically sends out somebody with guns to come to your house and arrest you and throw you in jail for six months because you visited Perth or something. I mean, all of these are stories that have happened and uh, holding up a seven 11 um, that that's, that's kind of objectively bad. You're violating people's rights. Um, resisting a totalitarian government, which is, it is by itself resisting your rights. That is something that I, that, that bothers me a lot more when this technology gets used. Ryan, 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 how dare you use your white privilege to presume that the crime of holding up a seven 11 is worse than the crime of posting something on Facebook. Um, don't think that I need that much privilege to, to determine that we <laughs> hold these truths to be self-evident. Yeah, no, we don't teach that anymore. We don't teach that anymore, but you went down a rabbit hole for a story I, that I, I did. You never really got around to, uh, to getting this out. I mean, I, I go down rabbit holes all the damn time. And then I put a crap ton of notes about it in my research. And then we never get to the story. And then it becomes a little Easter egg for people who know how to find my GitHub repository where I keep all my show notes. They're like, why does he only research things they never talk about on the show? Because you're not interested in the kind of stuff that I research. I am fascinated by it. Do you want to give us the uh, the, the quick uh, pitch here? Well, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it in 10 minutes, but if you want the show to go long, I can give you I, I can give you the spiel. Hey, we can go long. Well, okay. So the the rabbit hole that I went down was I started from a BBC article which made the impressive claim Google says that it has wiped out its entire carbon footprint by investing in high quality carbon offsets. So it's and like the Al Gore thing. It, it says that yes, it that Google became carbon neutral in 2007 and says it has now compensated for all of the carbon that it has ever created back to its founding in 1998. And I did so many things in that statement, just raised questions. For example, uh, what does carbon neutral mean? Um, how, how do you reverse time and compensate for emissions that you, that you put out before you decided to go carbon neutral? Uh, why is carbon suddenly a bad thing when it's kind of pretty much uh, the defining factor of all organic molecules and there quite literally would not be life on this planet without it or any other planet? Um, why? What are in? And it comes down to um, obviously uh, climate change, global warming rhetoric and virtue signaling. So I ended up clicking and clicking and clicking and went down. Let's see. Um, so started with uh, the Google sustainability site where I learned fun things like uh, we are pl- proud that we are the first major company to reach carbon neutrality and have become the world's largest corporate buyer of renewable energy. OK, so buying energy I, I, like, OK, 
you know how a, a power grid works, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, energy goes in at one point in the grid and energy comes out at another point in the grid. And it's pretty damn difficult to decide that you want a particular type of energy. You just kind of get whatever's on the grid. Um, but they're, they're claiming that they have it. And I was, I really wanted to know. So I was kind of digging in. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, the, the quote, uh, we, we now know we must push further to confront the magnitude of today's climate challenge. So we aim, uh, this is their next stage. We aim to be the first major company to achieve 24 seven carbon free energy by 2030. So, uh, you know, carbon neutral is one thing, but we have a new term carbon free. So what the hell does that mean? So let's see. Um, I, I found, uh, for example, uh, you know, Google has a carbon intelligent computing platform. What the, what the fuck? There's a word carbon again. So um, carbon free energy and clean power, which is another term that they use all the time. Clean, clean. Everything has to be clean. Not like, you know, all that dirty power that. Yeah, that's dirty from, I nuke. I, I, I don't know. Somewhere in, in uh, everything in California is covered in soot right now. So may I. Right, Maybe but they, we're really worried about nuclear power. energy while the all the world's burning around them. Yeah. Um, so it appears to be carbon-free energy, as as far as I can tell. You know, I, I I searched on the term, but unfortunately, almost all of the term that I could find for carbon-free energy pointed directly to Google's site, which tells me that they either had a hand in coining the term or were the ones who co-opted it for their PR campaign. Because man. That is an extensive PR campaign with pages and pages and pages talking about how their energy is carbon free. But at no point did Google ever describe what the fuck they mean by carbon free. Well, a lot I of these find, people just mean they've paid for the carbon well, credits. It, uh, kind of where I mean, that that is kind of what it means. Um, Google goes a little farther than most companies with that. But OK, so carbon free energy is and and this i found on on a totally separate page but um anything that when you generate power it does not emit carbon dioxide so carbon free really means carbon dioxide free and all of the evil things about carbon oh it, they really mean carbon dioxide and i mean carbon dioxide is pretty damn critical for life on the planet too but it is at least a waste product and not something that we desperately need as humans so i okay yeah I, I, but all so, those trees um, that are burning down, they need it. So wind, solar, and hydro are the the three types, mostly wind and solar. The vast majority of Google's uh, propaganda I found to be wind and solar. Um, now, in a number of places, I've seen that hydropower also seems to be carbon-free, um, but nuclear also happens to be carbon-free by the definition I found. But they but don't it mention not, it a lot. But it's not renewable, and Google never mentions nuclear. Um, another one that is, uh, oh, this one is biomass, which happens to be carbon neutral, although not carbon free because it generates carbon, carbon dioxide, but that carbon dioxide was put into the plant initially. So, uh, you're not using up fossil fuels in the carbon that was stored in the earth millions of years ago. I don't know why it's a huge distinction to take away carbon dioxide that was stored in plants you know, 30 days ago versus millions of years, but whatever. So um, here is what Google is actually doing. Um, are, are Have you ever heard the term renewable energy credit? I mean, I've heard of renewable energy, but not 
I mean, the renewable so energy a, credit, a, is that something like you have a solar panel on your roof and you don't use enough power to use it all? So it goes back to them. Well, no, that's that's actually something entirely different. That is um, the the uh, behind the meter is the term for a solar panel on your roof. Um, and that is that you know, when when you decide that you want your power to come from renewable sources, there are there are two ways of doing it. One is is behind the meter, which is you create your power generation and that power generation goes directly to your data center or your whatever your load is without going out to the grid. And that way, you know, for sure that your load is operating on that power source because it's the only source available to it. Or, or, you know, that that power source is going to your load because it's the only, but the problem with that, of course, is that without stringing your own miles of transportation line of, of transmission lines, um, you pretty much have to have your generation and your uh, data center or your load in the same physical location in order to do that. Right. And so the other type of, of consuming, you know, reusable, renewable power is called uh, from the grid or, or on the grid. And for that, uh, what you get is uh, the, you, you end up buying renewable energy credits and there is a, uh, uh, an organization out there uh, it doesn't look like it's government but it seems to be they seem to uh, the, the the idea that the thing that google's uh talked about was they were called energy markets and in these energy markets um i don't know who administers this but i i'm sure they're making a killing it might be al gore right i think he um, is the one that came up with this stuff but a renewable energy credit is whenever any power is generated that comes from wind solar hydropower biomass or geothermal uh those are the ones that are that are officially recognized in these markets as renewable energy um when any of that power is generated you generate you're actually generating two things you are generating the energy itself which goes to the grid and you are generating a credit which says this energy was renewable uh and then companies can buy these credits and by paying for the credit, you are virtue signaling that you intend to use renewable energy. And then once you have this credit, you just pull power from the grid, wherever that power came from. And you can now claim in your, your press release that your energy was green. Um, that's kind of the scam. Bullshit. Uh, it's it, it, that the win. So it, it Google goes a little bit farther and does it a little bit different, but not by a lot. But in general, when you see a company or a municipality say, uh, oh, we are uh, 80% renewable, what they mean is they have bought renewable energy credits from the grid for these types of energy. And by paying money to somebody to acquire these credits, which are nothing more than I mean, they're not, they're probably not even pieces of paper. They're probably just digital tokens, um, but they are credits. And by paying somebody for this, you get to say that you're using renewable energy, despite the fact that your energy came from the grid. Yes, it's a scam. You're doing the same damn yeah. thing you always have. You're just paying for somebody to be like, oh, no, this guy generated some stuff. I mean, we can't yes. do it because it's inconvenient, but we can pay this guy to do it. So we're carbon That's neutral. Much it, yeah. Now, to enforce scarcity and make these mean a little bit, 
the renewable energy credits are not uh, they are not transferable and they are not uh, they can't be duplicated. So if you buy the power and the credit and then turn around and resell the power, you can't resell the credit. Uh, so at least then you can't you, you can't have two people claiming to be energy neutral for the same energy. Right. Uh, but uh, so what Google is actually doing and, and like I said, this is this is a little bit farther and a little bit better is they're not just buying renewable credits off the grid. They are going out. And and this, by the way, is the kind of thing that only Google can do because they have fuck you money and because their shareholders are so buffaloed that climate change is an existential threat that any amount of cost, even if it completely damages the bottom line of Google, uh, is still justified in the name of climate change. So, you know, if the shareholders actually knew how much Google was spending on this and how much money the company is losing, uh, there might be a revolt. But as long as you can keep your shareholders convinced that you are absolutely saving the world, then, uh, you know, as long as they don't revolt, then I guess, you know, Google can waste this money. But they are going out and funding new plants in primarily solar and, uh, and wind. And then when they fund a plant, they are, you know they they are paying the money to have some energy company build a brand new wind plant and in exchange for that they get all of the renewable energy credits generated for a period of time from that plant and then the company who built the plant is of course allowed to sell the power which frankly is is the real thing worth selling right but but that feeds google's ability so google has now funded enough plants and made deals to create enough new and renewable energy and then siphoned off all those credits that now they have a glut of these renewable energy credit to the point where somebody did some calculation and decided that Google has enough renewable energy credits to cover all of the power they've ever siphoned from the grid back to 1998. Yeah. Scam. It's a scam. So I, 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 I'm not certain it's a scam, uh, but it is it is definitely uh, there's some disingenuous PR going on when they come up with this. Uh, I'm, I'm only giving you this so that you can interpret when somebody says we take our power from the grid and we only use renewable energy. That do, did not make sense on its face. And these renewable energy credits are are the reason for that. Well, yeah, because now, if the the reality is it shows you just how much that these other renewable sources do not work at scale because if they did google would have their own but if, if they did we wouldn't have coal and natural gas plants yeah because you wouldn't uh, need them and it works i mean it does work on a small level there was a, one of the episodes of pawn stars which is still on oddly enough after all these years on the history channel the uh, guy that owns the pawn shop rick he has a place i think it's out in montana and he has both a little windmill and he has a paddle wheel in the river and he generates all the own electricity for his little and, you know house. Yeah. And that works for something the size of a house. Yes. That's quite possible. Uh, but for something the size of a Google data center and and let us not be uh, not fool ourselves here. Uh, Google consumes two or three orders of magnitude more energy and power to power their hundreds of thousands or millions of computers in their data centers, they consume orders of magnitude more energy than pretty much anyone else on earth. Uh, you know, Amazon might be close. 
Facebook might be in the same ballpark. Microsoft maybe, but nobody in any other industry consumes as much electricity as Google does. So to claim that they are saving the earth by consuming all of this power, it, you know what else would probably uh, do a hell of a lot of good for, for climate change and for consuming all of these resources would be maybe if they shut off a few hundred thousand ad servers or all of their servers. Yeah. Or if they just shut off all, well, if they shut off all their servers, then people would go to Bing and then the whole internet would melt down and it it would be terrible. But, but yeah, if Google just started shutting servers off, they'd probably be doing a hell of a lot more for climate change, but they desperately want those sweet, sweet ad dollars. And they desperately want the total control of the internet that they've been doing. So, they're not going to shut off servers. So instead they tell people, oh yeah, we, we created a, a 10,000 acre solar farm in Iowa. And, uh, you know, therefore all of our, our power generated is environmental. You know, if that 10,000 acre solar farm wasn't created, then all the resources, all of the rare earth elements, all of the, the, you know, manufacturing of the solar plant plant, if nobody was using that power, it wouldn't have been done. And that would have been even better for the environment. So don't fool me. Don't lie to me about your footprint. You're using too goddamn much power, Google, but But whatever. But it's good for a PR that they can tell you that they're they're neutral. I ran across two other gems while I was perusing the Google PR and uh, one of them. And uh, I, you know, I hinted at what what is the main problem with trying to move to entirely solar and wind? You know this. Well, there are times that the wind stops and it gets dark. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and when the wind is not blowing, wind is not generating power. And when it's dark or cloudy, the solar panels are not generating power. Yeah, but you could have batteries and, and that'll just last all night. And when the wind don't blow batteries, you know, believe it or not, battery technology has not kept up. Batteries on a small scale are doable. Batteries on the size of a car are doable, but expensive batteries on the size of a data center or a municipality are still very, very difficult. Uh, I mean, there are some methods of energy storage. One, one of my favorite is, uh, uh, I don't know if the total side tangent, but have you heard of a pumped storage hydroelectric? I have not. It's where you take the times when you have too much power in your grid and you run gigantic pumps to pump a reservoir of water up to a higher elevation. <laughs> and then when you need more power, you let the water flow back down and use it, turbines to generate it at its power again. That's genius. I, I mean, th- that is. That, by the way, is the biggest, highest capacity batteries that exist today is because that's what they are. They're batteries. You're storing energy. But uh, I, I, I find those to be awesome. But we don't have the ability in our technology to store power on the level that Google data centers use. So the biggest problem with wind and solar is the power is it splurges sometimes and it's not available other times. So there's, you know, the, the classic solution that is employed by most municipalities and the thing that most of the renewable energy propaganda is not going to tell you is that when the power splurges, you tend to, uh, Oh, we don't, we are generating more power than we create and we can't store it. So we'll just shut off some of our generation. You know, the sun high noon in the middle of summer, the sun is shining really brightly. You'll just turn a number of your panels away so that you're not generating so much power because you can't use it. Um, and you don't want to damage your plant with a surplus. And then it's the middle of the night or, or, you know, in the winter, in the early morning when 
Everybody is getting up, turning on their bathroom lights and shaving and running their water heaters for a shower. And the sun hasn't come up yet. And you need a huge spike in power and solar is just not going to be there for you. And that is when the natural gas plants all fire up, which, by the way, is fossil fuels. Natural gas tends to be mostly methane. Um, Some of it runs on landfills, which is also not technically renewable, but we are generating a lot of garbage. So it's there. So all of these green energy things tend to be backed up with gas plants. And in fact, um, the, the best I've seen, I, I, in at scale at a municipal scale, the, even the hardcore environmental, I, I was reading an environmental policy site when I clicked on it. And even they were saying, you know, if, if you were a municipality, you should target the 90, 10 power generation model, which is 90% renewable solar and wind and 10% natural gas. And the 10% natural gas is because solar and wind can't freaking work all the time. Now, Google has an interesting solution they came across for this. And and this, by the way, is a solution that should not have had to be made, but they have engineers and they've got all of this fuck you money and their engineers. I mean, at some point they run out of 20% projects, so they've got to come up with something. They've got to just start inventing things for the sake of inventing. They invented a carbon intelligent computing platform. Uh, This is an AI that does nothing more than uh, consume weather data and calculate when to spin up servers in the data center and when to spin them down in order to coincide data center power usage with when the solar and wind are our strongest. And this platform, this platform is amazing and totally not something that needs to be used, but it's actually a pretty damn good idea. If, if you have, computing resources like uh like number crunching and data crunching that doesn't have to happen at at prime time right it doesn't have to happen in the night it, you can have it happen if you can move it around it actually makes sense to move your computing around for when there's a glut of power it's it's a neat idea and i i got to applaud them for coming up with that but man, why should that have to be a well, thing that we do? It's similar to what they offer here. Do you have the same thing over there in the uh, in the beautiful Seattle area where you can choose the to, in, instead of your set pricing for electricity? So you pay whatever like around here. Last I looked, it was like seven point something cents per kilowatt hour. I know that's low for a lot of areas, but uh, if we um, wanted to, we can than here. we can sign up for a plan that the cost for power would change throughout the day hour to hour and minute to minute and the way they pushed this is kind of what you were just saying with the you know google spinning up these devices only when they had extra power you know they're like oh well you could set your washing machine to work at you know two in the morning when power is literally like free or almost free or totally free or instead of seven cents per kilowatt hour you know, you're paying like sure. a half a cent per kilowatt hour. But of course, what they do then on the hundred degree day when you want to run it, your air it, conditioning, they, they shut off your air conditioning because everyone else is running it. Well, no, they don't shut it off. But then instead of paying seven cents all the time, you might be paying, you know, 50 cents per kilowatt hour during the day because, you know, then of course, too many people are using it. And I'm just always like, I'll just do the plain sweat slave. Yeah, I'll just take this. I'll just take the seven cents or so per kilowatt hour. And well, you in know, the, the summer, I pay a the, lot more. 
the Google Nest, uh, an automatic thermostat, um, you know, go- that that Google can push software updates to, and you know how skeptical I am of that. Um, the Nest will automatically adjust the temperature in your house if power gets too expensive. It'll just crank up the temperature in your house to reduce the AC load on the system. So you might find in the middle of the hot day, your house is getting warmer because the Nest has determined that energy is is more difficult to come by and therefore it's not good google listed that behavior as one of its wins against climate change so google (laughs) is taking credit for you sweltering in the heat because they don't want you using power you know i'm all for those devices when people leave the house because people are you're stupid if you're leaving your house at like 69 degrees while you go off and work for eight or nine hours and then come home you 69 is un- unreasonably warm yeah i'm with you i like it cold i don't mind the electric bill in the winter i mean it or in the summer it doesn't get it doesn't get crazy i mean i don't think we've ever paid more than you know like six or seven bucks a day for a month i mean and i know that adds up to you know 200 bucks or a little over on some of the hotter months but it's like okay what people seven bucks a day it's like that's going to starbucks once for most people I'll use that to run all my computers. Yeah, and, and at, at what cost uh, the quality of life? Yes. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't find that to be excessive. I understand I'm using some resources here, but you know, I've got, you know, I've got to run my five NAS systems and my two computers and all these other devices and, you know, the big so screen. The, 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 the last brag that I, I found on Google's website that I had to, to pick apart a bit was because when, they were uh, really happy about all this stuff. Well, they, they were really thrilled at everything they could do about clean energy. And they bragged that the Googleplex in Mountain View, California has uh, 1.6 megawatts of solar panels on the top of the building. Actually, I saw a different thing that said it was 1.9. So that might have upgraded, updated. Um, they, so they have a crap ton of solar panels in uh, 1.6 megawatts. That is a, that is a medium-sized coal plant. That is a lot of power. I do have uh, one question, if you know the answer or not. How long course, do, do solar panels last? If Once you put them in, how many years do you get out of one? Uh, until some Antifa dude shows up and puts a brick through them. <laughs> so like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't have that information. I do have that number for windmills, for wind turbines, but I'm, I'm going to get to that in a moment. Um, but uh, by the way, with solar panels, the, the actual... You know, the the 1.6 megawatts that they're bragging about, of course, is peak usage, which means that steady, it's equivalent to about 0.8 megawatts, but still a lot of power. Um, uh, let's see. They also brag about 400 kilowatts of fuel cells and a 970 kilowatt generator that consumes methane from a nearby landfill. And and specifically, they said uh, the because uh, I think they recognized that that was a little sketchy. The uh, 1.6 megawatt natural gas plant um, is not carbon free, uh, but they uh, they said, well, it burns landfill gas that would otherwise have been vented to the atmosphere. So it's the the, it's the land mil- landfill that's set up with methane collectors, and and that by the way is a pretty good idea because you can feed that into a natural gas plant, and and you don't necessarily want to live next to a natural gas plant, but um, I mean it. It all depends it if you still have power. your sense of smell. I try not to, but 
it, the, the, the thing that really jumped out at me wasn't the, the, Hey, by the way, we have more steady state capacity in, uh, in gas generation than solar. It was the 400 kilowatts of fuel cells because, um, by the name fuel cell, it has to consume fuel. Now, one thing that makes fuel cells more interesting is they don't, they, they catalyze the fuel to generate heat instead of burning them outright. Uh, it, it's the same effect, but it's in, it's a lot slower and it, uh, it, it doesn't generate things like, you know, soot and it, it, it the distinction is, is academic, but fuel cells, there are two types of fuel cells. There are hydrogen fuel cells and there are natural gas fuel cells. And the latter are definitely not carbon free because natural gas is mostly methane, which is carbon and oxygen. So you're creating carbon dioxide or no, it's carbon and hydrogen. So you're creating carbon dioxide if you use methane fuel cells. Um, so if they're claiming that's carbon neutral or carbon free, does that mean they're using hydrogen fuel cells? But hydrogen fuel is not something that we harvest naturally from the earth. Hydrogen fuel has to be created with electrolysis, which makes it an energy storage medium and not an energy generation because you put energy in to create the hydrogen and then you store the hydrogen and then you catalyze the hydrogen to get the energy back out. It's more of a battery. So I don't know which of these things that Google thinks that they're doing, but like I said, they're, the propaganda is a little bit sketchy with regards to what they consider to be green and what they don't. Well, the bottom line, as you said, is they probably use more electricity than a vast majority of the companies on Earth. So to pretend that you're somehow green friendly is a joke. There's no question yeah. about it. I, well, it's, it's spin. It's yes. propaganda. It's, it's PR. It, 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 you know, and Google, it, remember when, when Google comes out with PR like this, uh, they are not just virtue signaling to the public or even to their shareholders. The shareholders shouldn't even care because they should only care about the company making money. Although, you know, how many shareholders buy into this? I don't know. Uh, the public is is definitely someone that Google has to keep on their side that this is this is part of the spin that helps with that. But remember that they are also having to provide relations to the social justice infection that has taken over the majority of their employees. Um, their employees will revolt if they are not seen to virtue signal hard enough. And that puts the. Now, now, admittedly, the, the people who are writing PR for this are probably all in on the social justice. But even if the company didn't want to be this woke, they really at this point have no choice because enough of their workforce will lose their freaking minds if Google is not woke. If, if Google ever prioritized making money over virtue signaling, their workforce would lose their goddamn minds. I believe it. And, and this, by the way, is why I totally agree with Dvorak's point, which is if you are, if you are in charge of a company and you ever detect that your company might be hiring and, and becoming infected with social justice workers, the only solution is to fire them all immediately as soon as you detect who they are and nip that thing in the bud. Just take it, get rid of the cancer, eject the whole thing, chemo that shit. 
before it metastasized and becomes the majority of your workforce, because that will destroy a company. Well, at least Google isn't using autocomplete with any election related predictions now. (laughs) They're not. No, they're scared. They're scared. I don't believe that for a minute, but they're scared about being uh, unbiased, which is uh, I don't know. It says we don't allow predictions that could be interpreted interpreted as a position for or against any candidate or political party, nor which can be interpreted as claims against the participation in or integrity of the electoral process. They there there is absolutely no illusions even inside Google, I believe this, about being unbiased. They, that is not something Google is capable of doing. What they are worried about is the appearance of being biased. And it is absolutely this is not a technical problem. This is a PR problem. This is this is public relations. This is uh Congress, especially all of those evil Republicans are going to eat Google for lunch if Google does not at least go back to the appearance of not being completely left. Yes. And this is all, you know, I'll just, when it gives you suggestions, when you type a term in. So I just typed in Joe Biden into Google and got Joe Biden age, Joe Biden running mate, Joe Biden VP, Joe Biden net worth, Joe Biden vice yeah. president, Joe Biden Twitter, uh, Joe Biden wife. Get Alzheimer's. Yeah, no, I, you'll notice that isn't they, they Joe Biden young though is on there. So I don't know what, what that means but that's what i got for him let's see for donald trump i get donald trump junior donald trump age net worth news siblings parents kids approval rating and polls so i don't know i guess that doesn't really uh you you understand where you went wrong here by the way (laughs) you're you're typing queries into google yes yes that is the uh that is the biggest problem here nancy pelosi age net worth young Hair salon, children, yeah. planet of origin. <laughs> that would be good. Can we, uh, can we get that one in there? It's interesting that if this is going to be the case now for any politician, that the search results are never going to because usually you'll see something crazy when you type in a lot of these names. And, uh, and I guess I don't know if that's good or bad, if it's really going to change anything in the search results or as opposed to just in the suggestions. I do believe 100% that social media, Google, big tech in general has such a major influence that no matter what they try to do, they are not going to be successful at keeping bias from their platforms. And I don't know if that should be a goal or not, but uh, it's it's not a goal of the vast majority of employees. Uh, and you know, the, the employees at Google who are absolutely 100% convinced that their way is the only correct way. And that all of those horrible right-wing people, the only reason why anybody would ever disagree is because of racism and white privilege. And I totally believe that a, a majority of the Google employees believe that with all their hearts, because everybody that they know agrees with them. And the only, you know, only people who could possibly disagree are, are, are racists and white supremacists. And so they must be stopped. And, and it is, it is the righteous religious fury with which they are, per, they are uh, following this path. That is the most frightening thing about these people. You know, when I type in Ryan Bemrose, not one suggestion, it just says Ryan yeah. Bemrose. 
uh, yeah, because you won't e- you won't even put my name in text on the website. So it, if you if you do a search on my name, Grumpy Old Ben's does not come up. Now I just did a search on our buddy John Fletcher of the Hog Story Show, and that comes back with John Fletcher Chip Roy. John Fletcher, musician, John Fletcher, actor, John Fletcher, Houdini, John Fletcher, those, obituary. Those are, oh, those are all the same people. John Fletcher, tuba, John Fletcher, Methodist, John Fletcher, Facebook. I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting here. What is Google? John Fletcher, John Fletcher is going to be a little bit more common name than Ryan. Bimmer. Okay, see, now this is interesting. Darren O'Neill, the first suggestion, Darren O'Neill podcast. Yeah, because you put your name on the fucking <laughs> website. Oh, yeah. It also comes up Darren O'Neill Belfast. That has to be the and Darren O'Neill death. So for people that are really hoping for that one. <laughs> and I believe those are all the same person. Yes, probably. Also, also the case. I, I was I was saying you said John Fletcher, this and that, you know, the the tuba. And I'm like, yeah, those are all the same person. Then you said John Fletcher obituary. I'm like, eh, maybe, but I hope not. Yeah, he's in the troll room right now. So he's OK. At least he yeah, was. But, um, John, are you undead? Yes, he could be. Okay. Don't trust so, the social medias. Don't we trust are, the search engine. We are at least a half hour over, so I, I should probably stop here. But I, I also had uh, some information because I was really keen to find out about uh, what are the differences between different types of energy generation. Do you want me to go into that or I just leave it in the show notes? No, go ahead. Go into that. Now, you're talking about like the difference in the overall cost of each one of them. Is that? Uh, well, it, it, it actually wasn't cost. The 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 most important fixed cost of any kind of energy generation is ultimately how much, uh, how much land are you willing to put toward it? Because it, you know, the, the limiting factor in how many people you fit on earth is how much earth there is. Well, uh, yeah, there is well, until we send people to Mars. Uh, and even then I, it would be difficult to keep those people on earth. Can we, can Mars. we generate electricity on Mars and just beam it back? I, yeah, I'm not sure how. What do you burn rocks? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just, hey, I got the you problems. Solar, you should have solutions. You could, you could put solar plants on Mars. Why can't we put solar panels in the sky? Actually, I mean, if you put enough of them, it'll be dark on Earth. And then we won't have to worry uh, about global warming anymore. Yeah, definitely we'll all read die. stories like that. Yeah, it would be. You know, if, if you if you're talking about the ability to beam energy, then, uh, you know, you want to put solar panels somewhere, put them on Mercury cool (laughs) that would be a place you're going to get a lot of solar energy but anyway so um what i ended up doing actually was crunching some numbers uh the uh so the maximum theoretical power that you can possibly get out of uh solar energy which is uh you know at the equator when the sun is straight up in the air uh clear day at noon um you're going to get a about uh, a kilowatt per meter squared um that that's i mean that's limited by the amount of solar energy that reaches the earth you're you're not going to get much more than that that turns out to be um uh, about a, a gigawatt of power so a one gigawatt plant uh is it takes the amount of sunlight that reaches one square kilometer uh so a, a little under a, a half square mile i think um uh, but it's 
that is how much it is theoretically possible to absorb from solar. So right now, uh, I mean, they may still come up with more and more efficient solar panels no, or is that no, it? that is the maximum amount of sunlight that reaches the earth. Okay. The only way you get more than more than that is to move the earth closer to the sun. So that's I the mean, maximum amount of sunlight and the panels right now. What percentage of so, that can they actually pick? So modern panels are in the neighborhood of about 15 percent efficient. <laughs> um. And when you build a solar plant, you can't actually uh, paper the entire place with panels because you need things like cables, like roads, like buildings, etc. So it turns out with modern solar plants, the land use is around 30 percent. So honestly, let's let's go ahead and use as our benchmark. Uh, uh, let's just make a one gigawatt plant. Uh, one gigawatt solar plant will take uh, 10 to 20 square kilometers worth of land. Um, which is, is a nice big plant. Now, if you're in Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, there's lots of land out there. You can build facilities that big. In fact, there are facilities that big out there. Um, but you're not going to put them in the Northeast. Uh, you're, you're not going to put them in the Chicago area there. The land is too premium. You cannot give up, you know, 10 square miles of land for a one gigawatt plant. Uh, you know, and that's never mind, you know, by the way, the, that, uh, 15% efficient, uh, you know, the, the, the one, one gigawatt per square kilometer, uh, that number is again, assuming that the sun is straight up, uh, that number falls off with the, uh, with the cosine of the angle of the sun, which means that it, once you're more than, you know, if, if you're in the farther Northern or Southern latitudes, then the angle of the sun is lower. Um, in the morning and evening, the angle of the sun is lower and then it falls off to zero when the angle of the sun is um, on the other side of the planet. Yeah. And you have your maximum cap uh, capacity for like, what, 30 seconds a day? Uh, well, yeah, you can. The nature of sine waves is you get uh, a couple hours where you're within 95 percent capacity, 90 okay. percent. So uh, but still a couple hours a day is how much you know for for 10 square miles of land you are generating a gigawatt gigawatt for maybe an hour a day assuming that there's no cloud cover which by the way is another reason why it would not work in the northeast and it would not work most of the year in you know in chicago or in seattle or sure right. as fuck wouldn't work it, it would never just, sun never comes out in seattle it would be another but, reason why a rainy days and mondays get us down um and then uh the amount of maintenance on a solar plant is significantly higher than an equivalent sized gas or coal plant uh not least because for example, right now, the panels would be getting covered with a very thick layer of soot. Um, soot landing on the outside of a coal plant is not a huge deal. And in fact, to be expected, it happens all the time and doesn't affect the plant at all. But soot landing on a solar panel significantly reduces its output. So um, everything about this means that your solar panel, if you want a one gigawatt consistent solar panel, even ignoring the fact that, you know, 12 hours a day, you're not getting anything at all. Um, you're looking at 20 square miles of land to make one. Well, so, Blitz, <coughs> Blitz has a great suggestion, a solar roof Roomba. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what those words mean when strung together like that. But okay. <laughs> I think he, I think he yeah. means a solar powered cleaning device that would just run across the uh, solar panels and clean them. I mean, of so, course, then if it gets the, if the sensor on top of the solar roof Roomba gets covered then that wouldn't have power to clean so we so have let's to move on to wind power yeah i want to i want a one gigawatt wind power plant 
now the wind is is generally limited by a phenomenon called Betz's law. Mookie and uh, Betz's law says that uh, it it puts a cap on the total number total percentage of wind energy that can be extracted by a windmill, no matter what. Uh, and that number is uh, about 59% of the total energy in the wind. Uh, I, I, I only mention that because that is the upper limit on efficiency for a wind plant, no matter what. You cannot get more than that out, uh, uh, no matter your, your turbine geometry, no matter how many fans you put in. Um, and the reason has to do with the, the amount of energy necessary to remove the airflow coming out the backside. If, if you take so much energy out that you stop the air, now the air is in the way and the incoming air has nowhere to go. And then you can't take more energy out. So, um, you are limited by how much wind power there is times 59%. Um, modern, really big turbines make about two megawatts per turbine. And, uh, according to Betz's law, you really can only put, uh, of the really big ones, no matter how powerful the wind is blowing, you can only put a couple of those per acre out on there because otherwise they interfere with each other and reduce the efficiency. So ultimately, and I'll spare you all of the math, uh, a one gigawatt wind farm would actually be over a hundred square miles. And I'm just picturing you doing the math with a maniacal smile on your face. Well, depending on, I mean, that depends entirely on, on local wind patterns. Uh, but in general using, uh, you know, the average wind in say the Midwest, you're looking at burning a hundred square miles of land, 10 miles by 10 miles in order to produce a one gigawatt wind plant. So a little Uh, less, a little less, uh, efficient than the solar. Yeah, quite a bit less efficient, somewhere between five and 10 times less efficient. Um, and I mean, uh, the, the bonus of the wind plant is that you can actually use that land because the, the wind is up high and the land is down below, but you can only really use it for crops or animals. You can't put structures on it because they'll interfere with the wind. Um, and more importantly, you can't really put people on it because the wind turbines make a hell of a lot of noise. Uh huh. Um, you know, deaf people. There's also the argument that that wind will chop up birds, although that argument is stupid. Well, yeah, recently somebody just did a a, a test on that, and if they paint the the windmill the the blades, a lot less birds end up hitting it. Believe it or not. Well, I I actually pulled some statistics on birds. It turns out that windmills kill about fifty thousand birds per year, as far as I can tell. Um, but uh, just for comparison, per year about uh, eight million birds. Uh, are killed by glass panes. So 50,000 versus 8 million. Yeah, that, not much. By glass panes, I mean just straight up flying into glass. Yeah. You want to save birds, don't tear down the turbines. Tell Make all of these tall buildings have uh, concrete walls instead of glass um, because the birds can't see the glass and they kill themselves by falling into it or flying into it. Yeah. Um, and then the other statistic I saw for bird deaths, in fact, this might be the number two primary you know, human-made cause of bird uh, bird deaths is cats. <laughs> there are about 4 million birds a year killed by cats. Damn. So if, if we're going to get rid of turbines, we got to get rid of cats first. <laughs> yes. Uh, windmills also have the problem that you can't recycle the fiberglass resin blades. And they are uh, because of 
uh, uh, having to stand up to wind for years and years. They are actually incredibly difficult to cut up. You pretty much have to have a diamond sawzall blade just to cut through one. And so the result is that when a windmill reaches its end of life, um, those blades can't be recycled. Uh, they're uh, not environmental to landfill. And even if you can landfill them, uh, just transporting them to a landfill is incredibly difficult because of the amount of effort required in cutting them. So the wind, you know, most of the wind farms that have been around for long enough to ex- to have windmills reach the end of their life you will find giant, you know, 80 meter long windmill blades just sitting on the ground collecting rust or dust or whatever, because you can't do anything with them. They could be repurposed. Hang them on a wall. They'll be decorations. <laughs> it's a yeah. really big wall. It's a big wall. Uh-huh. Really big. <laughs> so for for comparison, um, let's see, uh, a gas power plant, uh, a medium sized gas plant takes uh about four city blocks and makes a uh, half a gigawatt. So a gigawatt worth of gas power will let's just extend that and call it eight city blocks, uh, significantly smaller. Um, a, uh, a nuclear plant takes up, uh, I, I mean, modern nuclear plants really don't have much of a footprint, but if you know, in general, let's call it, let's call it one square mile just so that you don't have people living right on the plant, uh, maybe less than that. Um, the average nuclear plant generates between one and two gigawatts. So they're pretty damn powerful. Uh, interestingly, um, I saw an article I'll throw in the show notes about a small scale modular reactor, which you can set up on a one city block and creates, uh, something like, uh, 300 megawatts, um, that it's, it's small scale. It's about, it's about, uh, 30, 40 feet high, but, um, it's significantly smaller than the big monolithic reactors that we're used to. Um, and then, uh, the last bit of, of energy, which was, was difficult to find because it turns out the, the source that I used, uh, like many places does not consider hydropower to be green energy, but that's important to me. And the reason why my power is at a pretty good cost and why I don't have uh, a day of time or night, a day and night pricing is because the vast majority of power around here comes from hydro, right. which is really convenient when you have mountains and a crap ton of rain. Lots of places you can put a dam and then store water and generate power from it. So, um, and, and hydro has the advantage that it, you can run it 24 seven or you can run it when you need it. And, uh, it's just, you know, the, the only limitation is make sure that your reservoir doesn't overfill. Um, so the, the one statistic I found is, was Bonneville dam, which is on the lower Columbia river. Now that's, uh, that's the second or third biggest river in North America. So it's, it's a pretty big river. Um, it generates about 1.2 gigawatts, uh, which is, it, it, that is a pretty nice amount of power. Uh, the lower Columbia river has four such dams. Um, the largest of those I think is might be Bonneville, but whatever. Um, so you're looking at, uh, over you know so your gigawatt is is you just dam a medium to large size river and bam there's a gigawatt plant um this obviously doesn't have a small footprint you require a river um or at least a reservoir uh bonneville is a run of the river dam which means that it it the footprint of the dam is the only thing that it has you didn't create any extra reservoirs and you didn't flood any land to create it it just takes whatever was already flowing by um but obviously that's limited by geography uh, and then 
What else? The only other thing I have in my notes is I don't know why I have this, but I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, talking about various nuclear options because that really is the future. If you want compact, uh, powerful power generation, yeah. But the whole reason that I had that is, uh, is if if your land is available, then hydro is absolutely one of the most powerful you can get. If you've got the river, you've got the rainfall, and that's why in the Pacific Northwest, for example, that's almost all of our power. Uh, which is really, really, really annoying to the greenies who keep saying we have to build more solar and wind because we need green power. I'm like, um, you know where most of our power comes from? You know, that's that is carbon free. <laughs> yeah. You know, the nuclear option when it comes to power is the correct option. And the people that want to talk about being green and saving the planet who avoid talking about that or want to treat it as if it's some. Um, horrible thing just either aren't being truthful or they don't understand the technology that's that's the bottom line and as yeah. like most things that and, and i think have, both of those are true yeah people have certain people an agenda you know they've got the agenda and we understand why they would choose one over the other and some people might suggest that things like the green new deal are meant to fail because then we could all become marxists and socialists yeah. and kumbaya the the last story I had in here, which is a footnote, and I'm not going to talk about the story. I'll just uh, I'll just read the what the story's about. Um, is that there was talk about creating a brand new dam on the Chehalis River in Washington, and uh, those plans were recently scrapped by Jay Inslee, saying that he wanted to focus on green power. Do you not understand how hydroelectric works? It's not the accepted hydroelectric. <laughs> I mean, well, the Chehalis River has also been a problem because uh, it it is a it goes across the uh, a floodplain and it floods all the damn time and the communities in that area are they they get uh, every ten years they get a flood that that inundates half the city they really really need flood control on that river which is the other real reason why you put dams in but Inslee doesn't care well yeah I mean if people learned anything about what you just said. If you paid any attention at all, you'd realize that solar and wind are not the answer for any area that has a lot of people in it. Not not at scale. Solar is, solar is a great for in, in the top of your house if you are in a place that gets lots of, of sunlight. I'm not, so it wouldn't work here despite the fact that people put in solar panels anyway. Uh, wind is great if you're out on a prairie where it's always blowing, but at scale, it's just they are not as feasible to power an entire city as some of these other and and yes i agree that we should probably get rid of coal plants and and switch them out for something that is a little bit less sooty i mean it it, they're terrible for the environment but all power generation has environmental costs solar plants for example those solar panels are awful for the environment to produce and they don't last as long as a as a gas or coal plant but, yeah, and they have the maintenance and you, they break and uh, but they're not as photogenic you can't you you look at it you're like this power looks very clean as opposed to coal where you can see a plume of soot coming out into the sky and you realize coal is terrible and well i mean yeah but i don't know about you i i've been breathing soot for the last seven days now and uh it's really terrible and i tell you what this these fires are not very environmental. No, they're certainly not. And when you're in an area where you want to keep the windows open to keep the house cool, you can't really do that and run air purifiers in, in a way that makes sense because you can't 
purify everything outside. I mean, you can you have to kind of shut everything down. And uh, there are consequences to all of this stuff, which is why we talk about them here on Grumpy Old Beds in the hopes that people will learn. But, you know, you're right. It's way easier to virtue signal with a solar panel on top of your house or whatever. Be like, hey, I'm doing something green, man. Nuclear is the only way, kids. Nuclear is the only way. But with that said, as uh, our buddy Progo, Brendan Kidwell pointed out, we're going into uh, like time-wise here, the length of a no agenda show, except you see, we don't have clips and we don't have a whole bunch of people sending us money to thank. So You and I just talked way more than Adam and John do on the average. Yes. I mean, we've talked enough to cover like five no agendas because no clips and uh, we only have one expert today but i'm kind of happy about that in a weird uh masochistic kind of way because the only expert we have today coming in at two dollars and fifty cents is harry hamster and i believe this is his 33rd donation to grumpy old ben's if i'm adding that up right and thank you much appreciated yes also at two and a half hours at two dollars and fifty cents it's not that difficult to come up with what our hourly rate is at this point (laughs) so if you're looking to uh have us come out to your event or for parties. You can, uh, you can figure out our hourly rate is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you want to support the show, we do work on the value for value model, which means if you got any value out of the show and now you have so much information on electricity being produced that we hope you learn something here, whatever that's worth you go to grumpy click on that donate button. Do it one time, do it as a recurring subscription, or go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash grumpy old Ben, if you'd rather give money there. Or we have a QR code for the Bitcoin comic strip blogger. He digs the Bitcoin. Be like comic strip blogger and send your money that way. Or you can get our P.O. box address that is also on grumpy old Sergeant Fred likes to do that. And his show is awesome. You added it yes. recently to the stream. Even though he was giving me credit, I do want to point out, Sergeant Fred, that uh, Ryan Bemrose is the guy normally that uh, comes up with the shows. Most of the time he finds them as well. I mean, I know every now and then I give him a, you know, like, hey, you should check this show out. But uh, he was the one that found your podcast and put it up on the stream. And it's a damn good show. It is a good show. Um, You you get credit for the informed dissent. You you brought that to my attention. Yes, Leonidas. Fun fact Friday. Yes. My favorite part about the uh, Leonidas show was it ran the other day on the stream. And after it was over, somebody commented like, I hope that guy's black. And see, that is the beauty of <laughs> the no agenda stream. That's the beauty of podcasts is that's that's the beauty of audio only podcasts. Yes, it's colorblind. And that's a good thing. Unlike all of these organizations now that want to go back to promoting anti-racism with more racism. And we're not for that. But um we appreciate Harry Hamster and everybody that contributes to the show. We appreciate everybody that comes along when we do these shows live, even when they run long over on noagendastream.com. And we appreciate everybody that trolls along, reaches out, email, and on No Agenda Social and the like. Larry commented, he's been listening, we can tell, because he said on Twitter the other day, how did we know he was working with Lex Luthor to get California blown into the ocean? We uh, had- I, I mean... Somebody had to Somebody. might as well be Larry. Yeah, well, Larry, I think, is well equipped to do it. He has got the resources and we appreciate everything that guy does, too, with the content he puts out into the world. But with that, we will be back on Friday 
to bloviate even a little bit more. Yeah. Hopefully I won't bring quite as much energy talk. <laughs> you, you never bring energy, but at least you brought energy talk today. Yes. Yes, I did. Until next time. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where you can make barbecued ribs without nuclear energy. But why would you? And from America's left coast, where the apocalypse continues apace. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Thank you.